I thought you were dead. Sun out of your eyes and be yourself. Heard you were dead. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. That man's dead back then. It was worse than dead. He must be dead. Is this a dead man, Doctor? Welcome to Roast Mortem. Um, it's it's Roast Mortem. That's all I got this week. Look at My that. name is Tom. I'm Travis. I am your Cody for the evening. And I'm Mike. And uh, oh. wait, tonight. Wait, Anthony Kiedis is joining yeah. us in the I'm studio back in live? There. Yeah, Mike. Uh, well, I guess it's an obligatory. Ob- I can't pronounce that word right obligatory. now. Obligatory. Ob- obligatory. Yes. Obligatory. How was your week first, Mike? Uh, I was in California, you know, smoking mad gas station CBD that was legal. And uh, so, why are you calling it gas station? You could say CBD? pot. You just say it. You're in California. Gas station CBD was great, and <laughs> lots of homeless people, which is sad. And weather's yeah. great, and New York weather's terrible. And How many homeless people do you kickflip over? Because I saw a lot of skating videos from you. I, I, You're like a regular Chad. Muska. They have like little communities down there. It's like they'd fuck, probably fuck me up if I tried that. They'll gang up on me. I just throw your pocket What's, change on the floor. You yeah. know how like a squid uses ink to get the fuck away. You just yeah, spike crazy nickels to see on the that. floor. Sad, you know. Yeah. Thanks for starting us off on a bummer. Yeah, we asked so you how your vacation was, and you're, you're describing the homeless problem in Venice Beach. Well, we gotta do something about that. We're gonna change that on this episode. Yeah, we do, Mike. We we have a free podcast. Costs nothing Spread to in listen the to Roast Morton cast. Yeah. Yeah. Where they can listen to us be in houses and then feel bad about themselves. <laughs> it really does work out. Maybe it's an incentivizer. No, Mike, true. what was like the gnarliest trick you did? Bro? Uh, I farted a lot. I don't know. Say <laughs> a lot of burritos. It's too much gas station CBD, I think. It's a little cloudy. Yeah, he doesn't remember a goddamn thing. Yeah, Callie's got that smog. Mike, guess what? You're actually in Portland with oh. me. Oh. Yeah. You just skated up north. You're right. <laughs> Amazing. How did I get here? There's gas station CBD is also um, widely available. That's what I like to you, hear. The cops will not bother you. That's, that's That was the beauty that of it. The beauty of it. Well, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uber bikes, too. I spent all my money on that shit. And the scooter thing, too, is mad fun. You got that scoot bike? Yeah, I was scooting around. Hell right. yeah. Where'd you yeah. leave it? That's the important thing. You just leave it anywhere on a sidewalk. You just gotta take a picture <laughs> of it so that it's like not like fucked up and it'll like cancel your ride. They have it in Portland too, but I don't have health insurance, so I'm not getting all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> you almost got Tom, to uh, how was your week? You know, it was bad. I had a bad week. You know why? Because William S. Burroughs was supposed to be a a one episode yeah, dealie. You were saying. And I hate this guy so much. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I had to put two weeks of my time worth of researching it. I appreciate you. You appreciate it, Tom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- uh, thanks, guys. But still, it doesn't really do much for my misery. Hey, at least it's over. Yeah. Well, you, it. you know what? I, I, Mike, <laughs> the podcast just started. Where I have to you? read it now. I have to summarize <laughs> how bad it? my week was now. But, Tom, every episode is a lesson learned. What did you learn from William S. Burroughs? That's what we're going to find out. Okay. All right. Fine. You tell me when I'm done reading, Travis. Right. Yeah, because right. I'll tell I'll tell you what you learned. Because I got about a 45 page <laughs> script here. Our, our scripts average at 10. They're 10 pages of shit for me. Yeah. Well, your script. So we're going. 
the way I write scripts, which is in a size nine font. Why do you do that to yourself? Because I. This is the week I'm having. I'm just upset. I get each. I'm just doing it all wrong. You know, you just do shit the hard way. You know, when you find out there's an easier way to live your life. Oh yeah. And then you're like, what the fuck have I been doing? That's the week so far. So thanks yeah. for asking, Cody. How was your week? Uh, I got a Jesus. haircut. All right, La- all right, good. Larry David. Uh, Cody, you got a haircut? Yeah, Great. I got a haircut. Very handsome. When I get my, thank you. And and when I fucking get my haircut, it is it is like a long overdue haircut. So like right now, I'm like four pounds lighter than I should be, like twelve degrees cooler. Nice. And life is just great for me because I I didn't have to fucking research William S. Burroughs this week. <laughs> yeah. Cody, I feel like you have the the hair type where you, do they do that like light your head on fire and then blow it out thing? <laughs> have you ever done that? That. <laughs> Was a fucking jackass video that you're getting confused. No, people with. cut hair like that. Really? I know, probably quick. You know, yeah, I think Mike, it's quick. How how many quick haircuts have you appreciated in your past, Mike? Fire, not necessarily super cuts. They butcher your hair, but it's quick. I'm I'm not in that much of a rush to live my life where I'm just like blowtorch, please. <laughs> I would love to see you in Jerry curls. Ooh. All right, <laughs> that's let's nice. get a Patreon thing going. I'll just yeah. do that. Next time I see no, you, I'm gonna curl I, you up. I, I, let me see, like, let me see, like, four hundred and sixty-nine dollars in the Patreon. And then Cody's gonna rock Jerry curls for six months. Oh yeah, uh, I'll give you two weeks. All right, nah, six months. One I'll month. Give you two weeks. Right. One month. Travis, what about you? I'll do one month, Mike. So, Wait, Tom, you're asking me how I'm doing. You're what you're you're concerned about my well-being. Yes, because we've all all three of us have already gone. I just want to go tonight. I'm impatient. <sighs> I had a great week. Travis, what did you do this week? I've been building a computer. Nice. Uh, what else have I been doing? Uh, I bumped my head at work real hard. So if you're watching the video, there's a lump on my head. Is that what that is? I got a new job contract. I'm just, I'm shucking and jiving, nice. man. I'm just moving my legs. I, I, some people are like, hey, guess what? You're hired. I like the way you move your legs. <laughs> Cut of your jib. I've never gotten that You know, before. like that's how, that's how life is. Well, you got fast legs. You're a quick kicker. <laughs> yeah. you, deceptively quick. Yeah. I, I've seen you on a bicycle. It's been it's astonishing, really, how fast you blur, can kick. Yeah. You know what's really sick about building a new computer though is like when you plug in the parts, they play dubstep and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that like most people? Because you know because you know gamer guys, phase crew, uh, yeah. they all love to listen to their trapped music. <laughs> And you're trapping the power inside the motherboard like when you're Headstrong? building. Right, you're building <laughs> yeah. a PC. It's not like charging up a Mac Air and then immediately it starts playing a stream of lo-fi study hip-hop. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, you're playing trapped power. It's just all trapped. Right. Just trapping. Yeah. So I've been listening to a lot of trap by proxy. I'm glad you have a new computer because <laughs> now you could do stuff with your legs. That's what you were getting at yeah. before, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, my computer, you just hook your legs into the USB <laughs> and they wiggle for hours. Oh, no way. I get that. It's, it's pretty sick, dude. It's like one of the new, it's like goat simulator, but for humans. Ooh. You mean just existing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great. That's great news for everyone. I think, uh, I think Mike, uh, the CBD La La Land should ask the question because he's so loud. I boofed a ton of it when I came home. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there a joke there, or is that real? No, no is that just... real? 
it tastes a little weird when you smoke it. You know, like back, you know, they call it Scooby Snacks. Wait, you just said you boofed Wait, that's it. You you boofed it. it. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, you boofed it not to administer it, but sneak it back home. Oh, yeah. Oh, I shouldn't say that. That's one. called keistering. It's fine. Allegedly. Boofing is when you, yeah. It was CBD, too. It was legal. Yeah. <laughs> Don't they do that thing like put your hands over your head when you go to the, the how do you get through walk that? The drug sniffing dog, just like give it. you a little rimmy? Yeah, you just walk around it, like he says. I didn't do it. I was just lying. Guys. You can also show yeah. that, you know, you just forge papers that say you work at a gas station. So it's legal. That. Yeah. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I I want the next Assassin's Creed to be modern day, but with Mike. Finding <laughs> 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 right. the CBD. <laughs> yeah. Vape wars. You know, I was at the airport, and right before they fucking you like have to go in and go through the the fucking machine. Mm-hmm. There was like a a fucking weed cart on the ground, like right in front of it. Someone had dropped it. Like, they just I mean, didn't want to get caught? Yeah. Just I guess they, like, mm. chickened out. They're like, oh, shit. And they threw it on the ground. Amazing. Makes sense. But I, th- I was also thinking it could be a trap. It could have been, like, setting someone up. Oh, was it, like, under a plane. box with a stick holding it up? No, it was, like, right in the middle of, like, the, the little, like, snake thing you go through to walk walk around. Uh, the, the maze. Uh, yeah. See if he takes the bait. And then we'll have Let's a new terrorist. We'll have a new... Government's we'll have a, you. Yeah, we'll have a new alt-right terrorist. Yeah. All right, Mike, ask your cousin yeah. about the taquito that he's going to present to you. Ask him about it? It was on the chopping block today, Tom. There you go. Oh, thanks for asking, Mike. <laughs> there you go. So this is uh, experimental on a f- few levels, because you actually weren't here for the first part of this. It's <laughs> fucking weird. first 30, yeah. uh, like 20 minutes. Okay, so you, you listened to the first of the rough Basically cut. the opening of How Was Your Week? <laughs> yeah, the theme <laughs> song of How Was Your Week. Perfect. God damn it. All right, so you listened to our week last time. So we're going to talk about William S. Burroughs part two here. Mike, feel free to ask any question. Okay, yeah. Right. We'll just uh, watch Mike be confused for the next hour. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so a recap to the listeners. Uh, Bill Burroughs just killed his wife, Joan Vollmer, and spent a harrow- harrowing 13 days in jail. Uh, great. Go listen to part one. That's all the recap. <laughs> yeah. I gotta do that. All right, continuing. Mike, no, Mike, Mike, unfazed. Y- you've lost. Mike is just unfazed. He's just on. He's on cloud. Cloud CBD. What do you mean? Right oh, I'm reading along. That's probably. I'm reading looking at Tom's screen. He's looking at. Yeah, you're a cheater, man. Oh, what yeah. the hell? I look down. No, don't look that way. I need you to sound good. All right, so um, Billy was still hanging around Mexico, recovering from his uh, bout of hepatitis and working oh. on compiling his first novel. Junk, better known as Junkie today. Burroughs' good buddy and human toilet brush, Allen Ginsberg, had already <laughs> published Howl, which was essentially the kickoff of the whole beat generation thing. Uh, Ginsberg oh, yeah. talked to his publisher about Burroughs' manuscript for Junk, and they agreed to give him an $800 advance for the book. Now, this is in the early 50s, so $800 is uh, equivalent to, I don't know, like 12000 or something. Sheesh. What the fuck? Who does that? Well, how do I... Why don't I hang out with some guy with unkept hair and then all of a sudden someone's like, you want $1,200 to write this? I don't know, dude. We're we're all doing it wrong. That's yeah. that's the feeling I get. That's why I'm so angry at Burroughs because he's so privileged. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people love him for just living on the edge. It's like, well, people can't do that. Yeah, like this isn't a hero. This is a guy who just uh, sorry. I, <laughs> he only spent thirteen days in jail for killing his wife. Yeah, he kills his wife. They were playing William Tell, and he shot. Uh, he was gonna shoot a glass off her head. Oh, he fucking missed. Yeah, he just missed. Shot her right in the head. Jesus. Burroughs claimed that he would have never been able to have a writing career if he had not killed Joan. 
He said that the experience <laughs> shifted his perspective, and he now knew how to fight his ugly spirit. Oh, okay. Which was by word. I'd be fucked up if I did that. I'd be like, damn, I suck. He's saying he needed it, Mike. He was like, this is necess- this, that was oh, a necessary step to my it. career. Oh. Well, to be fair, he felt guilt. Every yeah. time someone talked to him about it, he was never like, yeah, I'm the guy who killed his wife. He felt guilty about it, but just the way he phrased it, like, unfortunately for me, I killed my wife. <laughs> right. The onus is on, oh, I feel bad. But she doesn't feel bad because she's dead. She don't feel nothing. <laughs> but I feel bad. Yeah. Her family, I don't, never met him. Were they married so I don't time? know. <laughs> they were married for like seven years, I think. And their relationship was fall- totally falling apart. They were just like friends at this point. Oh, shit. Uh, but now, so he's he starts writing and he has momentum. And he's typing away with his uh, short-term roommate, Jack Kerouac. Oh. Now, Jack Kerouac was a terrible roommate as he paid no rent, spent all of his money on underage girls, hmm. and expected Bill to feed him. Oh. Uh, Bill was out on bail and requested that Jack Kerouac not smoke weed in the apartment, as this could lead to a police inquiry and a lengthy jail sentence. Jack Kerouac, as we mentioned in the previous episode about Jack Kerouac, is a total dipshit and smoked <laughs> weed all the time and had large quantities of weed in this free room hey. and um, just expected handouts. Now, he wasn't privileged. He came from a poor background, but he lived like a rich kid. It's very mm. funny. Um, what do you think was in their fridge? You're talking about feeding Jack Kerouac. I'm just thinking like gallons and gallons of like cottage cheese. Uh, just milk and oh. eggs. I would believe cottage cheese. Really? Yeah. That's like a real like 50s food to eat. Cottage cheese. Honey, what's yeah. for dinner? Cottage cheese and eggs. Cottage Ew. cheese and half of a grape. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, th- these guys really didn't cook that much. They would order out. Or go out to dinner. Oh, you pay for it? Yeah. So uh, Kerouac asked to borrow 20 bucks to get back to America after his welcome had long expired. He promised to wire Bill the money when he got back to his mother's place in North Carolina. The money never came. And from here on out, Bill strongly disliked Kerouac, according to his correspondence with the Brillo-covered raw turkey leg Allen Ginsberg. I feel like boys, right? Little kids, Allen Ginsberg, right? Yeah. And so so does... um, Burroughs here. He's uh, really scumbag. into young boys. This man has probably said young boys more than anyone else. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Was, I know this might be jumping ahead, but was Burroughs part of Nambula? No. No. No, he was not. He just liked to have uh, sex with boys. He he knew it was embarrassing. Oh, uh, <laughs> he had shame. Yeah. Yes. He so, and, and, and Ginsburg is like, I love it, and I'm proud of it. Yeah, he's like, Check I'm a Buddhist, AR. whatever. I'm <laughs> lick my dirty man asshole, little kid. So that's terrible. Yeah. Now, with his trial for murder approaching, Billy did what any rich kid would do when he feels the Mexican law breathing down his weak spine, which is casually leave Mexico. He had initially (laughs) fled to Mexico from Louisiana to avoid some bullshit junkie charges, and now he's going back to America to his family in Palm Beach. They moved there partially for the weather, but mostly to escape being... Social pariahs due to Bill's embarrassing misadventures in Mexico. Oh, lovely. <laughs> also, there's more Sonics down in Florida. Oh, True. Yeah. Bingo. Oh, yes. the eateries? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you want your burger served fast? There will be a, a woman, maybe of legal age, skating up to you on inline skates to give you your burger. On her feet. <laughs> Burgers are so good there. And you can make inappropriate gestures and cat calls at her from the comfort of your own pickup truck. Well, yeah, man. Perfect. You ever watch a girl on, on skates? Well, that's roller derby. 
and all those ladies are are legal. So you know what? Usually get dudes on rollerblades that come up to mine. It's mad weird. I'm not allowed to talk about what older older ladies on blades that are just ready to fight each other. I'm just saying I like my ladies aggressive and with black eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and to not be near my bedroom. Yeah, well, maybe they're near my bedroom. Maybe they're just like, I don't know. Just, I don't want to see you. I'm just going to hit you. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> All right. Anyway, I'll save this conversation by stopping it. Uh, <laughs> he felt charitable enough to spend three weeks with his son, Bill Jr., and then he flew down to Panama in some sort of spiritual quest. Oh, look at that. Now, for context, he is now 39 years of age. Ooh, see this, Mike? You see okay. how I edit my script as yeah. I'm going? See 19, the typo? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he says, now he's 39 years of age. He's done um, an irresponsible amount of drugs, fucked copious amounts of young boys, worked mm. as an exterminator, yeah. had a son that he stopped caring about after three or so years, killed his wife, and hasn't published a goddamn thing. My God. This American that, Yep. No, yeah, this makes me feel good about myself. Yeah. It's like a, yeah. This is like a. I don't know. This is like a, one of those yeah, antidepressant. Right Tom, now. thanks. Actually, no. The end. It kind of turns around. It's like, well, what are we doing this all for? Maybe that's why I'm so <laughs> bothered right now. Anyway, uh, his spiritual trip to Panama was truly a search for ayahuasca, a mind-altering mm. drug of the South American shamans. Yep. Uh, anyway, his time in Panama resulted in him writing the Yahe papers and influenced his writings even further. But before he went on the journey into the jungle, he had a hemorrhoid surgery in Panama, which was a terrible idea since he could have opted to do it in Florida in a much more yeah. sterile environment. Well, yeah. Weird. Hemorrhoid surgery, you say? Yes. Yeah, you had to remove Ooh. a big one or something like that? Well, he was a bottom, so they probably had to like poke it back in. Oh. Maybe do a little stitch. Thing. He liked to get rammed in the ass. Oh, I see. No, you, you're you're doing the thing again where you're confusing hemorrhoid with fucking what Travis has. Isn't hemorrhoid like a No, it's on your ass. So I thought it was a zit. Yeah, hemorrhoids are no, you, butt pimples. Yeah, that's what he you, has from fucking yeah, butt. Yeah, you can get, fucking do. Yeah, uh-huh. you you can have hemorrhoid surgery. Yeah, yeah if okay. you have too many hemorrhoids, just, like your butthole just like collapses like Jeez. like raiders of the lost ark right you know like <laughs> running away from the fucking statue oh my God. like so right, right. you got need to have reconstructive grafting could, I, i'm having a crisis of wording right now what's the thing on your stomach called Travis? as a hernia dog oh, hernia. that's when your gut that's when your I guts are confused. so friendly they want to give you a high five so i was confused when you say put the hemorrhoid back in oh yeah you know, well yeah, you got to do something. You got to get rid of it. You got to tape you, it up. You got to put some. I, I, you got to give your. They just sandblast it off or something. I think you just got to give your butthole a facelift. <laughs> yeah, really spread it out. Butt I, lift at that point. Get an injection. Yeah, maybe. some kind of butt lift. So anyway, he's down in Panama. He's got a, a, a silly butthole. Uh, he's also detoxing <laughs> at this point. And the hospital only gave him a little bit of morphine, so uh, he was used to a lot of morphine. So he was in a lot of pain. Dude, uh, that's wow. detoxing, man. When you go yeah. from a lo- lot of morphine to just a little bit detox, <laughs> detox, a little bit it. at a time. Now, once out of the hospital, he rented an apartment overlooking a dirty river where he watched young boys swim in raw sewage, yeah. and cool. uh, <laughs> that was Burrow's vacation. Just doing mild amounts of morphine and watching dirty, dirty twelve-year-olds. Oh my god! Wait, he's in Panama or on the Ganges in India? Uh, no, he's in. Do that. No, <laughs> well. Uh, he's in Panama. Okay. Yeah. Then he left for Colombia to find his ayahuasca. He took a mm-hmm. bus and then a mule and then a canoe to get to Rio Caseta in Brazil. That's which, wrong. Ooh. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think different. I'm, yeah, well, he had to. Oh, excuse me, I'm ruined it. He's going to Brazil, not <laughs> Colombia. Wow. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, what? He's already tripping out because he ends up in Brazil, but he's trying to go to Colombia. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for knowing geography because I was confused. Sorry, everyone. I yeah, I just wrote down the wrong thing here. He's in Brazil. Legal. Nice. So yeah. within a few minutes of him being here, he gets his hands on these magic vines that the mm. ayahuasca is made from, and he uh, enlists the help of a brujo or a black priest. Now, the brujo that Bill found was a massive drunk and insisted that Bill buy him some party liquor before he prepared the ayahuasca vine. Oh, okay. He prepared okay. it poorly, and Bill drank it. Now, Bill was very underwhelmed with his magical journey. For some reason, he had his passport held up by some government officials so he just hung out and had sex with the young boys oh um, oh one God. of the young boys he had sex with stole his pants so that was pretty funny <laughs> he's, he's a fucking monster man. you ain't gonna need these no more yeah yeah right oh good for that kid yeah fuck you man i need these pants for that. hold on i'm gonna ask a question and i feel like this might just be like an overarching statement to your whole series that you've done on goof uh -huh. troops Okay. Right. I always hate when you have these white dudes, right? They're always some white dude. And I'm not yeah. like self-hating here, but like it's a white dude that either connects with like Latin America or Asia. And if it's Asia, it's opium. If it's Latin America, it's like, I don't know, ayahuasca or like peyote or Central America. And they go on these spirit journeys and they think that... I'm thinking thoughts that have never been thought before because oh, yeah. I'm white and I'm connecting with ancient, ancient uh, races. Yeah. Okay. I've taken their stuff. savage thoughts and connected them to my Western philosophies. Look at that. Well, in that way, we've progressed a lot because that person in the 50s is now someone who is a little smoother in the brain and just goes to spring break in Miami. Yep. Well, yeah. If you want to do Joe's drugs and have fun, yeah. yeah. If you want to do drugs and have fun, that's fine. But like, I don't know, to take these drugs and be like, I'm connecting on a most spiritual level. Yeah, you're you're a, a sack that's of what shit. A drug does. That's yeah. all it is. Anyway, he had another ayahuasca trip before he left South America. I want to try that. Mm. Yeah, I'll get you some. Cool. I'll do it. Uh, you throw up a lot. Oh no, that doesn't sound good. He went to Mococha where he was able to find an even shadier brujo. They went to his hut. And he did some weird ceremony and handed Bill and his traveling partner, Dr. Shudis, I can't pronounce this guy's name, Shudis, two cups uh, with black paste inside of it. Oh. Bill drank oh, it quickly. Within minutes, he was on <laughs> full-on fucked up out of his mind mode, throwing up every 10 minutes and yelling for dear life. The Bruo had given him such a large dose that if he had not thrown it up within the first few minutes, he probably would have died. Apparently, this same brujo dosed another gringo a couple weeks prior, uh -huh. who had taken the sludge, lost his mind, ran into the rainforest, and was found dead a day later. Oh, my God. Ah. You still want to do it, Mike? Uh, not that much. That sounds like a bad time. <laughs> yeah, I'll just give you half the amount. Yeah. I'll give you the gas station recommended amount. That sounds good. <laughs> he spent some more time bopping around, doing drugs and fucking boys, but uh, hmm. it's uh, South America is just him walking around. Nothing really happens. It's yeah. as dirty as he gets. So if you if you want to know more about Burroughs down there, you can read the Yage papers or Yahe papers. Well, here we go. Drugs. I mean, he's writing like papers about his experience down in South America. Yeah. yeah. It's like so cool. Also, so cool, if you call dude. your scribbling 
quote unquote something papers. It sounds way more marketable. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. This means yeah. I worked on them. I they weren't just like something I did out of uh, boredom. We could call like the obituaries we just did like fucking the roast mortem papers, and it sounds way cooler than scribblings. This this may or may not be an artistic thesis or journaled in the scientific record. It's papers though. <laughs> Bill knew it was time to go back to the states though. So he stopped in Florida, telling his parents that he had published a book under a pseudonym and said they would have no interest in reading it. Uh, He patted his son on the head and left for New York to hang out with some vacuum-sealed rotten meat known as Allen Ginsberg. Oh. (laughs) They moved in together, and the two traded war stories and blowjobs. Billy had been out of New York City for the better part of five years, and he had slipped into Ginsburg's new hip circle of friends, um, mm. compromise of pedophilic dog-fucking new age trust fund artists. I, I'm just going to I'm gonna put it out there to any of our ninnies that listen that are homosexual, a male homosexual. <laughs> like, why, like, is Alan Ginsburg hot? I don't think he's hot. He looks fucking disgusting. No, he's a terrible-looking man. Yeah. I don't like think you need fucking... to be gay to be a judge of that. Like, I'm not attracted to men, but I could tell that he's a terrible-looking man. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, no, he looks gross, but I don't know. Like, I have a different perspective than, uh, you know. He looks like a pedophile. Like, if you were, like, look at him, oh, that's a pedophile. So you why know? would you give him a blowjob, Burroughs? He's drinking all that weird juice down in South America. He's fried. All right. Well, it was actually Burroughs who was into Ginsburg because he was a few years older than him. Ooh. And uh, mm. Ginsburg wasn't into Burroughs because he was too old for him. Oh. By 40-something years. <laughs> That's a lot. He, he knows his ABCs. Not sexy at all. Anyway, yeah. he spent a total of four months in New York typing up his second novel, Queer, with a mound of sawdust-mixed cat urine, better known as Alan Ginsburg, as his editor. I see what's going on here. Now that Junkie, the Yahe papers, and Queer were complete, this was the end of an era for Burroughs. The years 1944 to 1953 were documented, and it was time for Burroughs to crack his junky knuckles and get to work. Mm. Queer and Yahe papers weren't published till much later, by the way, so if you're looking this up and the publishing dates don't match up, it doesn't mean that they went to press immediately. The time in New York was also the beginning of Burroughs' development uh, of his most famous novel, Naked Lunch. Mm. Sounds Na- lovely. Mm. Naked Lunch is a cool book. Uh, imagining this dystopian future with the sound of larva humming waiting to hatch. That's like the whole setting for Naked Lunch. It's disgusting. His sexuality also informed the book. He was trying to merge merge his ideas of sex with it. So one of his things he had going with the sex was he was actually trying to merge with other people's orgone energy by getting his ass poked. Merge. Oh. Like, Merge me, daddy. Did I cover orgone energy on the last episode? No. I forgot. So orgone no. energy no. is yeah. like this idea of like a life force being transmittable. And um, uh, one of the ways you can transmit it is through sexuality or through meditation. What is that fucking statement? Like, oh, you uh, can make more life by having sex. Yeah, it's called fucking pregnancy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like they skipped a bit of the book. We're like, well, this is more life. That's how we're here, right? Well, look. This is called butt babies, dude. If I you have this. a turn, if you have a turn and it's like extra white and slimy, guess what? That's a baby. 
Yeah. So William S. Burroughs, uh, he, he believed in this idea of organ energy and his whole life. He actually had these little uh, huts that he built. I, uh, blanking on the name right now. I don't have it in front of me. It's, no, it's like a, it's basically like a porter potty that you just sit in that has animal <laughs> furs around it. And it's like an organ incubator. And, you sit, oh, and okay. he would sit in there at t- for times of his life. Certain times of his life, he would sit in that thing for hours every single day meditating we should look into this guy but like i said sex was a big part of it so quote william s burroughs i figured it would take the organs of ten thousand boys to complete my sexology oh okay Ew. disgusting like i said it's this really stupid idea it's totally founded in science just kidding it's not at all (laughs) i feel like people that would order like a chai tea like a chai latte would really enjoy this what, uh, form of fuck thought. You. I like fuck you. It's into crushing what, you eat, shit. You drink ta- chai shit? Yes. It tastes like a diarrhea Christmas tree. That's not true. <laughs> I'm yeah, it so far. The, to me, yeah, it just tastes like I'm, I'm trying to be... It's like the drink equivalent of being in a Starbucks to show off that I'm writing a novel. It's fucking adult chocolate milk. When adults get to a certain <laughs> age, they should drink coffee, liquor, and water. That's it. I yep. love chocolate milk. And water is optional. Thank you, Mike. I love Nesquik. Nesquik, please sponsor us. Oh, the us. former child. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Bill is uh, hes questioning his sexual energy. He's trying to solve his, um, his depression and all these things he's feeling by having lots of sex. And he wanted to quantify this any way he could. So... The first way was to go public with how small his dick was. <laughs> yeah. That's... Um, telling all kinds of strangers and his weird friends that his dick was four and a quarter inches. Hey, look at that. That sucks. Yeah. Below average, right. but, like, you know, you could still work with that. Honest guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. What we're saying right now is just a bunch of guys with four and a half mm. inch dicks. Speak for yourself. Mine is four and a half feet. The motion in the it's ocean. It's not the angle of the you dangle. I mean? It's the motion of the ocean. Yeah. But it's not a problem for me, but... <laughs> yeah, of course. It's not a problem for me yeah, either. Me neither. It's fine. Acorn, so don't worry about like... it. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Guess what? It's like a billion inches. <laughs> yeah, so th- my reference book goes into some really, really um, vivid detail on his sex life. It's not really funny or interesting, so um, just imagine this guy's a fucking freak. One of the reasons I don't really want to get into it is because it kind of haunted me for like a half hour after reading a certain what, passage. French thing? <laughs> How we like to get pounded and, you know, uh, describing it and... Ah. He goes into detail. He goes into way too much detail, and it's he's very open about it. So with all these gay details having been made <laughs> mm-hmm. public in interviews and articles, you would think that Burroughs would actually refer to himself as gay. Well, he never did. He hated the idea of people calling him gay, even amongst his gay friends. Weird. Oh, that's like uh, Roy Cohen. Oh, yeah, kinda. I see. Kind of, but like with a different angle to it. Because, you see, he had this idea in his head that gay people were uh, a bunch of fruity he-mollies. <laughs> While Burroughs identified as a manly man that happened to be queer, hence the name of the book. Okay. He oh. thought that there was a difference between those like that types of gays. Uh, he, alongside with Andy Warhol, though, were basically the world's most influential gay rights activists during the 50s. Uh, but he still called everyone a fag. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. He was like, you fucking fag. Yeah, he's a strange, strange guy because he was openly queer. If you called him gay, he'd give yeah. you a lip full. If you came in the door and, and he saw your 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 shoulders were too narrow, he'd call you a fag. You think he was asking for a cigarette Never. sometimes? No, no. Absolutely uh, no, not. No, 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 no. That kind of reminds me of, uh, what's that movie that everyone likes when they're in high school? High School Musical uh, Breakfast Club? No, the Boston one with, with Norman Reedus. 
What? Oh, uh, Boondock Saints. Boondock oh, Saints. Reminds me of movie. like Willem Dafoe's character. Where he's like fucking fag. Yeah, imagine that guy, but with absolutely no enthusiasm whatsoever. That's William S. Burroughs. Right. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so Burroughs left New York. He hit up Rome for a short time, and then he ended up settling in Tangier, Morocco. Yeah, okay, weird. Oh, okay. We're Camus. He spends a lot of time there. Tangier was a great place to do dumb shit at the time, as it was a French colony ruled by seven other countries, and it was a legal gray zone, allowing people to enter without a passport and conduct business tax-free, which was great, and people used all kinds of currencies. So you just show up if you're trying to do shady shit and hang out in Tangier. Also, fezzes. Yeah! Got those. Well, is that the reason why when you go to the Tanger outlets? No. Is that why it's called Tanger? No, never. he, he begins piecing together his novel Naked Lunch here, and he actually gets hooked on heroin way worse. Oh, no. Now, he had been going in and out of doing it, casual usage. Um, he also did some of the most depraved acts of pedophilia here oh. uh, that were included in Naked Lunch, as it was semi-autobiographical. Ah, uh, fancy. It's pretty gross knowing that some of these scenes in that book are based on reality. Uh, I haven't read it. His junk habit was atrocious, and he had a, a gaping hole in his arm from shooting up so much uh, that he was able to slide a needle right in there with barely feeling it. Oh, that's pleasant. Yeah. Um, part of the reason he got Ew. so into this, like, oh, I skipped a whole, I skipped a whole part of this. <laughs> it's all right. Oh, no! Well, don't, here, here's the part I skipped. Short Basically, summary. before he goes to. Uh, leaves New York to go to Tangiers. He's trying to get Ginsburg to go with him. And Ginsburg, he likes Ginsburg's uh, penis. Yeah. And Ginsburg okay. <laughs> doesn't like his penis. And he doesn't want to have sex with him anymore because he's too old. And um, so Ginsburg gives him the old, I don't want to go. I don't like your ugly cock. <laughs> and uh, okay. so now he's upset about, he's doing this heroin thing because he's trying to suppress more pain. And he's, uh, he's trying to deal with the Ginsburg shit. So he spends a lot of time in Tangier throughout his life. He he leaves, he comes back, but he's, he gets into some shit. Um, so I think now uh, would be an appropriate time to do a little side story. Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so this is a story of the tragic life of Burroughs' son, William S. Burroughs Jr., or Billy Jr. Got it. Is this the son to the, the, the lady that he put a hole in the head? Yes. Okay. Like Travis just said, as a reminder, he, uh, this kid was born July 21st, 1947, to his meth head mom, Joan, oh and pedophilic junkie father, Burroughs. What could go wrong? Yeah. Mm-hmm. After his mother's death in Mexico, he lived with his grandparents in St. Louis and then Palm Beach, Florida. His grandparents, parents, his grandparents treated him very well as his father ignored his existence for the better part of his life. <laughs> That's so terrible. A piece of shit, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. You got to at least give him, like, you got to at least send him some hostess in the mail. You yeah, know what you I'm know? saying? Like, <laughs> it's terrible. Can, oh, Daddy loves me. He wants a, Daddy a, a creamy you. phallic treat. <laughs> <laughs> He's asking me about my, uh, my butt. It's weird. Oh. Yeah, Mike? Uh, at age 13, somehow, this cast of psychotic characters thought it would be a great idea for Billy Jr. to spend some time with his father in Tangiers, Morocco. Why the fuck not? Nope. While in Morocco, he spent time with terrible people who gave him drugs and tried to rape him as his father nodded off and had relations with a young boy, nearly Jr.'s age, named Kiki. Oh. <laughs> he survived the terrible ordeal and went back to Palm Beach, Florida. Whew. 
A couple years later, he was dicking around with a rifle and shot his pal in the neck. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Well, like father, like son. Yeah, yeah what's going on here? Th- this haunted him. Billy f- fled the scene <laughs> under the impression that he was now a murderer. Oh, my God. Uh, his friend survived, and the police ruled the incident as an accident. Either way, the whole uh, you know, dad shot in mom 50s, in the face right? and now everyone hates your family thing really got the best of Billy, and he was sent it. to a mental hospital for a nervous breakdown. I mean, how do you oh. accidentally shoot your friend in the neck? I don't know. How do you kill your wife like yeah, this? Yeah, you know, that's... Well, the, William Tell was trying to be done with the wife, but, like, he was just, like, honest to goodness, like, what, like, just fidget spinnering with a fucking rifle, and he hit his friend that's in the neck? That's what it sounds like. Uh. I mean, here's the thing. is like in the 50s, 60s, they're like, I don't know. You could take this uh, fully automatic rifle and just play with it in the backyard. Yeah, America. Have a good time. Don't point it at you. I agree eyes. with that 100%. I think that's something we took away from kids a little too soon. Oh, no, I think kids should be like roughed up a little bit. You should be able to punch them in the face, throw them in some mud, tell them like, hey, guess what? <laughs> I'm an adult. I'm better than you. <laughs> but like... I'm not saying you should give them guns, because then they could shoot the adults. Yeah, but yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, but you're better off you're better off giving them guns younger. So if they have an accident, they don't go to jail for their whole life. Or teaching them how to properly use it. Yeah, yeah, teach them how to no. use it, There's and then no, let the accidents yeah, happen early. Yeah. Whenever you give someone a gun, you're not supposed to teach them anything. <laughs> you just wish them luck. You tell them this is the safety. You never use it because guess what? You're not an idiot. Yeah, don't touch this. It's safety. Yeah, only idiots need safety. Billy Jr. fell right in line with the family and got into the uh, uh, the amphetamine habit pretty quickly, cool. which resulted in him forging prescriptions, which is what amphetamine addicts do. Uh, being terrible at crime, he was caught and sent to prison for a couple of years in Kentucky. Ooh. Oh, okay. Now, there was a... Uh, that I just laid down the skinny of it, but he was caught a few times, and Burroughs did at least give him lawyer money. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. that's a great. Uh, that's a model example of a father. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At least he could do. This is what I did when I killed your mother. I used this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy. Yeah. So when he got out of jail in 1969, he attended a writing school in Orange City, Florida where he met his wife, Karen Perry. They got married the same year and moved to Savannah, uh, Georgia, if you don't know where Savannah is. Billy Jr. began writing and published two novels himself, Kentucky Ham and Speed. Okay. Uh, He had stopped taking hard drugs for a little while, but this guy fucking drank. In short, he made Travis look like a bitch ass. In fact... Wait, what? In fact, this guy needed a liver transplant by the age of 29 in 1976. Oh, my God. Tom, so, were you trying to make me angry? Yeah. In the show? Because now I'm fucking pissed. Well, I had a, I had a hernia transplant? at the age of 30. I need a liver transplant. Do I want to be I mean, that man. <laughs> Here's our jaundiced friend. Besides getting raped by all my dad's friends. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I don't think remember, you want to be much. that man. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot. Look, I need liquor in my life just as much as you fellas, but... I could take a few weeks off. Yeah. Yeah. That's too much. Uh, it took a I long only time. drink for the show. You got to drink with your friends. And that's yeah. what I do. Drink yeah. drink with us when you listen to the show, unless you drive Honorable. it. And then yeah. you should get some 40s. Of, of White Claw. <laughs> Sorry, officer. I didn't know. I was just thirsty. Tastes like lemon. Dude, I thought it was seltzer. That is seltzer. Now, it took a long time for him to recover, 
from the transplant because this was happening in 76. Good stuff. But uh, he was actually a success, which was pretty yeah. low. Liver transplants were a 30% success rate at the time. Ooh, that's, that's scary. Fucking rough, man. Yeah, so yeah. he made it. He did it, though. He's out. So as soon as he gets back on his feet, he starts drinking again. Oh, perfect. Dude, nice. you got a new dude. liver. Yeah. You might as well use it. Yeah, yeah he, right? was on, he was on all kinds of steroids, too, to like help the liver settle in nice. And uh, steroids make you crazy. You ever met someone on steroids? Oh, They're yeah. terrible people. Yeah. Yeah. I so Weird. I used to take steroids all the time. Not for like juicing, dude. Not for getting like rock hard. But when back when I had my tonsils. If you listen back to the early episodes, I had my tonsils, I had my tonsils removed. My tonsils used to inflame so much that my doctors would give me steroids. Just to fucking like, I don't know, make my steroids get fucking swole or some shit. Like, yeah. get it down. Now they're already swole. Now, nah, but like, get it down. I don't know. They give me steroids. And every time I took steroids, I'm like, I'm so sick right now. I have bronchitis. I have fucking strep throat. <laughs> but I just want to fucking punch a hole in this window. How are your testicles? Wow. Do they look like black beans now? Oh, oh dude. No, nah, they're even small. They're like chick. No, chickpea is bigger than the black beans. <laughs> yeah, it's big. Yeah. <laughs> Lima beans. Oh, wait, no, lima beans. Those smaller. are those are fat too. Mung beans. There you go, Travis. How about uh, a rice? Yeah, like a rice. They're about the size two of a, a rice. Two a rice. Yeah. So Travis has uh, testicles the size of two rices. No, not testicles. Mouth testicles. Oh, I was talking about your testicles. No, my testicles are the size of like uh, probably testicles. Probably. Um, topless volleyball on the beach for like a topless volleyball. It's just a topless volleyball. What is he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. Anyway, back to this shit. So uh, Billy's uh, losing his mind now. He's he's drinking all the time. So he published an article in Esquire magazine about how much of a degenerate asshole his father was. In 1981, at the age of 33, he was found lying face down in a ditch in Florida. He was still alive, but died in the hospital the next day from acute gastrointestinal hemorrhage associated with micronodular cirrhosis. Oh, Ooh. big words for drinky sick. Yeah, so it uh, sounds terrible. Oh my god. Yeah. So after that, Billy uh, Burroughs never really talked about his son, and uh, I would not be surprised if <laughs> Billy Jr. wasn't really William S. Burroughs' son anyway, because they didn't look anything alike. Ooh. Hmm. Wait. Maybe so think wait. He wasn't hold on. His son. He looked a lot like Joan, but like Burroughs has a very distinct look. look to him, and Billy Jr. had none of that to him. Nothing. Not the eyes. Not even the. He was he was bigger than his father. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, so hmm. so wait, William S. Burroughs, I mean, we know confirmed he had a wife. So he's sticking it in a vagina sometime. He had a kid. Yeah. yeah. Like, is he is he like bisexual? Like he prefers boys and men, but he's like, uh, guess what? I might as well just bust in some ladies sometimes. Like, does he have like a trail well, of we, like, we talked about children. that in the last episode i don't know if you remember because yeah. you have to drink when you're doing this well um, you know i have to drink when i'm uh, being a great guy it would be irresponsible if you didn't drink but with that comes the consequence uh on my end where i have to re-explain things so burrows fun uh he was like a five percent straight guy so he did okay. bang some women he banged joan a couple times but what i'm saying is that he probably didn't father this kid all right so um Hey, Ninnies, you're welcome for the recap that I forced Tom to do. I did on purpose. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yes, yeah, Travis, the foot. Thanks, Travis. You're you're really something else. Help me out. <laughs> you, you, shut up, Mike. 
Thanks, uh, well, Mike. speaking, we're going back to Burroughs now, and then speaking about uh, people who are a little bit straight, Burroughs found out that Allen Ginsberg was dating a woman somehow what? and headed back to what? America to stop this massive injustice. <laughs> so he went to San Francisco. I just like the term dating a woman somehow. Did she have a kid? A little boy with her? No, no, no. They didn't have a kid. Oh, all right. So he went to San Francisco to chew off Ginsburg's ear and then went back to New York to restart his life. After some time bumbling around, he visited his parents who were going through hard times. The money wasn't very good anymore and they were considering reducing this 40-year-old's allowance in half. I forgot oh, no. that he had an allowance until he was 50. I wish I had that shit. Yeah, uh, he was he was getting $200 a month, which was a lot of money back then. Uh, so we'd have yeah, to get a job. Like but uh, after kicking and screaming for a week or so, not only did they not cut his allowance in half, they booked him a flight to Gibraltar so he can get back to Tangier and left the allowance alone. Honey, I go. see you're doing very productive things. You're losing a lot of weight. You're using the abdomens a lot back in that Tangier. <laughs> Are you doing yeah. sit-ups when you're over there? Maybe you should yeah. go back. Planking. Yeah, get back over. <laughs> a type of planking for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then to quote Bill on going back to Tangiers, uh, back to the promised land flowing with junk and boys. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> he rented a house and had Kiki move in with him. Oh, yeah. He spent his days sitting in cafes, nodding off, smoking keef, drinking mint tea, and writing. Some of those things sound just fine. Yeah, a few of them are questionable, but you you at home yeah. can figure that out. So he got back into his heroin thing even harder than before, and his parents began to worry about him. So he bought him a ticket to London to participate in a withdrawal program, to which he he actually did do this, and then oh, you know later he okay. gets back into junk. He wouldn't be William S. Burroughs if he wasn't uh, fucked up on junk. Thank you, drugs. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Naked Lunch for a little bit. Uh, if you don't know what Naked Lunch is, I'm summing it up. Very briefly and very inaccurately. It's the book that Burroughs is best known for. The book is a vulgar onslaught of Burroughs' experiences mixed with a strange semi-sci-fi flavor uh, with cultural mockery and dystopian future. The book is meant to be read it from any page the reader likes in no particular order wow. or story to follow. Just settings, scenes, and ref his referrals to uh, routines, which is just weird shit he was doing. Like I, I mentioned that. in the last episode, Burroughs was pretty good with words and could actually crawl into your mind space with his writing. He's good at writing. He's not like Ginsburg, who just chose words and then <laughs> liked to stare into people's eyes and creep them out. <laughs> Parts of Naked Lunch were published in various small papers before the novel was released in 1959. After Naked Lunch was fully published in 1959, uh, the traces of child rape and other sick things along this line were really grossing people out. Uh, one of the reasons Naked Lunch is heralded as such a great book is the way Burroughs, his publisher, Grove Press Inc., and the other members of the Noodle Brigade defended the book against censorship. Its Supreme Court case in 1965 appealing the censorship of Naked Lunch was the final nail in the coffin concerning any censorship of literature federally, uh, citing the First Amendment, which means William S. Burroughs was wow. a warrior of free speech like a gay Jordan Peterson with a different drug choice. <laughs> Fierce. Okay. Okay. First Amendment. So guess what? You can say whatever you want, even if it's like talking about boys. Yeah, free country. Yeah, free, free country. country. I can talk about free boys. Free country. Free country. Uh, now we'll go to the the Beat Hotel, which I briefly covered in the other ones. Uh, the Beat Hotel was a dirty, no name hotel that I talked about in the Goof Troop episodes. It was prime for people like our subject Burroughs, 
who are prissy yet okay with living in terrible filth. In 1958, Captain. Bill met giant cancerous testicle Allen Ginsberg there and moved <laughs> into the hotel as roommates. Okay. Perfect. Uh, this place was crawling with trust fund beat poets, artists, and singers. This is where he put the final touches together on Naked Launch, and then he began a new form of writing called the cut-up technique with a fellow poet and jackass, Brian Geisen. Okay. Who's Brian Geisen? What did he do? Well, here's a quote from Burroughs. Brian Geisen is the only man I ever respected. So he's got to be a real piece of work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If William S. Burroughs respects you... You're doing something Kill wrong. yourself. You're fucking up. Guess what? That's like getting a spring roll instead of an egg roll. <laughs> what are you, dumb? Yeah, I wanted pork yeah, right. in it. Something's not right. <laughs> Weenies? This is... Bring it back. <laughs> Bring it back now. So uh, this dude is one of the lesser known uh, members of the beat generation, but certainly participated in uh, the creation of terrible prose. If you look up his art, mm. it is pretty cool, though. He had an understanding of art. He knew how to draw. He wasn't like... Um, you know, Jackson Pollock, who just makes me want to have diarrhea forever and then try to sell it. I mean, on. <laughs> all right, Tom. Like, you, like, if you throw a thousand drug addicts into a bin, you give them, like, a pencils, you give them notebooks, you give them easels, like, you'll get maybe, like, two or three that are like, oh, this is pretty cool. You did some good stuff. The rest is just garbage. Like, literal yeah. garbage. Yeah, that's what people I mean, didn't understand. The the addicts won't know that though. This is a great well, analogy. Yeah. yeah. The addicts have no idea. They all think they're doing something great. You know, they all think they're like, oh world. dude, I was part of this big experiment. Like, and if they sober up, they'll be like, I lived through this time where like we were all creative and free. And, like, <laughs> so yeah. good. And like back then you could do whatever you wanted and like it was all autistic. Autistic. It was all autistic, yeah. <laughs> all like my community go. college art teacher. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, here's the thing. It's like, okay, like, yeah, these are people. People are creative. People can make interesting things. And people that have interesting perspectives can make interesting things. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't know. It's just a shotgun, you know? Yeah, yeah. you're going to get... You're gonna get Drugs or no drugs. It doesn't matter if the drugs, and you're going to get one or two interesting fucking things, regardless of Yes, yeah. absolutely. Great yeah, way to put it. One or two percent. So, uh, so now we got William S. Burroughs and his new uh, partner in crime, Brian Geisen. Also, he has the worst mm -hmm. spelling of the name Brian, which is B R I O N. Ooh. Yeah, it's ugly. <laughs> no offense. Yeah. If okay. anyone's a Brian out there, uh, I probably like you as a person, or maybe can stand you to some degree. But terrible name. Change it. I like Brian's. I like so Brian's. Brian. Great name. Standard spelling. But Either the I or Y is fine, but no O's. Both throws Both are good. O's, no O's, please. I will spell your name as Brain, but that's cool. <laughs> so the two of them spend time together and eventually develop their cut-up technique. Ooh, what's that? What, what is All this? Right, so they would write dumb shit and then cut the pages up and paste them together like one of those refrigerator magnet sets and then call it art. Okay. Like Mad um, Libs? Okay, you know what this is to me? What? This is the poetry version of a Mr. Show episode. <laughs> That's what this is to okay, me. Okay, yeah. Yeah, this is... But bad. Bob, I just invented something that's going to change the world. And Bob's the rational guy going, uh, this isn't going to do anything, David. And then and then it cuts to David making a billion dollars for whatever that uh, Globochem company was. Okay. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. They they loved it. They thought it was genius. They found inspiration in it. But it really is like um, a pet rock of literature. But the writers aren't in on the joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. You know what's great about a pet rock? If you put lipstick on it, you can make out with it for hours. <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah, right, Mike. I mean, oh, dude, man. I mean, they're talking about fleshlight, but if you want to like, dude. If you want to like peel it back, peel man. it back a little Fuck. bit and like not make it sexual, make it more romantic. Put googly rock, eyes on lipstick. it too. Yeah, or you could do it with your hand. You put the googly eyes. Oh, like this, and you're like, mm. hey, <laughs> just in time for Valentine's. Or you could turn. Year. All right. Or guess what? You could use this. Get a blowjob. Oh, a reverse tuggy oh. for yourself. I'm just saying. Uh, pepper grinder? Every time Travis says, guess what, my anxiety level just goes <laughs> through the fucking roof for some reason. I have, I'm just realizing it now. It's like, guess what? I'm like, oh no, what? what? What's happening now? Yeah. It's <laughs> like, know, guess what? What, what, <laughs> no, what was just every time, if you're a smart entrepreneur, every time I say, guess what, get a notepad out. I got it right here. I'm taking notes. Thanks, Mike. You're going to be a millionaire. I hope so. I'm like the I'm but the Mark Travis. I'm the Mark Rubin of the show. I'm the Shark Tank. You could be you yes, you have you have the head that most resembles a loaf of bread. <laughs> you are you are definitely the Mark Rubin of this show. <laughs> it's Mark Cuban. And oh, I love Mark how Travis confused those two sandwiches. <laughs> Travis was literally like, oh, the guy that has a sandwich yeah, last sandwich name. name. Called him Mark Rubin. <laughs> and I, I just parroted right back to him because I'm not very smart. <laughs> You you're off the hook though. You were just you just uh, confused from Travis. Yeah, that's true. Well, either way, it. so these guys are dicking around. They're they're changing the world by cutting up words. And then this guy uh, Jacques Stern, who was a, a loaded cripple heroin addict, uh, comes wow. into the picture. He meets he meets Burroughs in Paris and was obsessed with his strange stories and stuff. This guy had a shit ton of money. He was like, oh, I'll just you know. I'll just buy this guy all the junk he wants. So he's like, I'll just do it. It's a good friend. So, yeah. So he's Burroughs' junk ticket for quite some time, as he had no problem like paying for friends. This guy, this Jacques, and Stern had an even richer friend named Harry Phipps, who was like crazy wealthy. He was living in Voltaire's old apartment and owned one of Chopin's pianos. Uh, That's kind of. And he's cool. inviting yeah, William S. Burroughs to hang out there and drink uh, vodka sodas with him. I'd, I'd, hey. I'd accept that invite. I'd go too. I mean, Me too. a lot of the shit. Like, if you took every boy out of the picture, I would hang out with Burroughs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for boy sure. Not cool. Yeah, uh, that dude started giving out drugs like it was no fucking problem. And he he actually invented. Uh, he he eventually started paying the rent for a bunch of people at that beat hotel, and just giving them drugs because he that guy Phipps was like, yeah, it's my shit. I want to do that. I want to be around I these mean, people. If anyone's ever done any type of drug, there's oh, always whoa. that dealer that's like, I just want to be friends with you. Guess what? Yeah. Here you go. I gave you a deal. Or like... Oh, yeah. Uh, you're always you know getting I mean? a like, deal. Yeah, no. You're getting the deal because I'm wasting my time hanging out with you. <laughs> and you're not interesting. No. No, they're never interesting. And and, and their idea for a musical project sucks. <laughs> always. Yeah. It makes you think it is weird how people with money will just choose a group of like three or four guys they find entertaining and throw money at them. Patreon.com slash Russ Mortem Cast. Great plug. Best plug. Premium. Perfect. That was good. Yeah. So Bill is now in high junkie mode again on yeah. Jock's dime. And then Jock starts picking up a Coke habit. 
and he really becomes an asshole, and he starts accusing Bill from uh, of stealing from him, and uh, that didn't happen because Bill still had his own money. So that that gravy train went down after about three or four months. But these guys, this is when they're just showing up into Paris. Gin- Ginsburg's up there, like I don't know, like putting feathers on his body. <laughs> And this guy named Brian with an O is there cutting up words. <laughs> Bill's putting on a tie every morning, eating croissants. <laughs> this Perfect. is happening. It started off really well, so that that all kind of comes to an end pretty shortly. Uh, Burroughs spent the next few years bouncing around the world and being a weird pervert. When I say the next few years bouncing around the world, this guy wasn't in one place for more than six months. He just... Gotta go. And That's one of those. Catch him, right, the, the, those we- yeah. What are you say, Mike? Well, yeah. What I mean, he's putting all this stuff about him, like fucking boys and shit like that. No one was like reading these books and be like, yo, what the fuck? No, he's doing this in the company of, of people who are okay with it. Oh, but nobody's like, well, looking he's for these him. books out though. As the other people read it too, you know what I mean? People are reading it, and a lot of people are going, "Wow, it's so like crazy that this guy is like this." So edgy. what a he- what a hero. Because they think it's fake. But he's just like, no, I'm just in a box for four or five hours a day doing heroin and fucking boys. It's terrible. (laughs) Got it. So uh, his novel, The Soft Machine, was completed in London, 1961. (laughs) The Soft Machine machine is a cock word. It's a great term for cock. Soft serve machine or soft machine? No, Soft Soft Machine. machine. It's it's actually um, a euphemism for human bodies. Oh, I was thinking sure. about like a soft penis, and then there's like you were thinking about flashlights. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was thinking about like a soft penis, and then you know those boats that float down the Mississippi, the steamboats. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. right. And then the, okay. like the back paddles just hitting a soft penis, but it's never getting hard. I like that visual. That is pretty funny. <laughs> the soft machine is interesting in the fact that it's the first instance in history that someone refers to substance abuse as a disease. Really? Really? Yeah, which is like a normal thing now. Something strange about Burroughs' writing is that there was this weird, as much of a pervert as he was, there was this weird cultural insight that he had. Um, In fact, even with Naked Lunch, he he predicted the AIDS epidemic. Oh, really? Yeah, with the whole CIA creating something to destroy a faction of people dividing from conservative structure. Nuclear family stuff, you know? I mean, did the CIA really give AIDS out, though, in the 80s? Absolutely, they did. I don't know. I think it was that French guy that was on that, that fuck monkeys. Oh, and he also predicted the uh, the, the crack <laughs> thing, the crack epidemic. All right. Which that's so definitely like, traced we talking, We talking Nostradamus, but doing drug dank weed. Yeah, that's he was just a gross man, but it it's, got, it's got stuff. So... Uh, while writing this cut-up style novel, he was off junk because this is uh, right after he was thro- flown to that uh, treatment center that I mentioned before. So he's uh, just drinking, dr- drinking a lot. No more junk. Uh, mm. But he's still dealing with these paranoid episodes, believing that alien bugs were controlling the world's events and also mass thought. Good stuff. Isn't that the plot of Animorphs? Is it? Yeah, I don't Yerbs. even know Animorphs. But like Yergs? No. Guess what? Uh, Yergs equals Satan, and R.L. Stein is our savior. There's no Yergs in R.L. Oh, yeah. Steinberg's. <laughs> Real life Stein. So he also begins making collages of his personal photographs, and this is how he becomes a visual artist. 
He would take pictures of his printed pictures that he would cut into bits and lay on a table. Uh, So I guess taking a photograph of other photographs is art. Uh, People in the beat scene lost their fucking minds, as predictable. Amazing. (laughs) So different. So he's just scrapbooking. Yeah, he's scrapbooking. Um, So who's that? Who's that guy in film that like that? Um, he would just take like a film reel and just like throw flies and like piss on it. Huh. Oh Jesus! I know. I should know who that yeah. is. He's obviously not an artist, he, he, but we, he like boiled film stock and spaghetti marinara. Sauce. Yeah, we gotta look up that shit. But that's what that shit sounds like. Hey. This it, guy seems like, like, like also smooth brain. Yeah. So part of the reason that he got into this cut up thing so much is that he's like on some deep shit. He's believing that there's some sort of greater power, like I mentioned the aliens just before about the bugs, um, controlling this narrative that everyone was playing a part in, whether they knew it or not, and that even uh, friendships were another form of control that needed to be cut up, like his art. So, what? sorry, what you're telling me is that he is basically believing in Men in Black. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. And, yeah. and, and his solution to that was cut-ups, because he's trying. He's treating cut-ups as a misdirection. Now, this Brian Geisen guy is like, oh, look at how these words look together. But there's a madness behind the way Burroughs is doing it. He's like, I'm telling a story here, and then I'm breaking the time narrative down. So we can't exactly detect what's happening. Yeah, he's David Cross's character in Men in Black. The, Are you just the tying that back to Mr. Show? Store? What? You're just tying that back to Mr. Show because you can no, just because David Cross, you know, he's like, put my hands on my hands like this. And then the, the David Cross is the paranoid boy in the closet. Be like, hell, don't do it. <laughs> That's not him. That's uh, what's his name? Uh, Vince, the guy from Law and Order in the cell. That's no, I know, David but Cross David Cross that. is a paranoid boy that's like, I don't know, aliens could exist. What is this pug talking about? I, David Cross is actually in Men in Black. He yes. is the manager of a video rental store. I have no idea what Travis is talking he's about. Talking yeah, about so he's talking about Men in Black 2 when uh, they go revisit him because he's in that too. And now he believes in aliens and him and his uh, crazy wife or something are living in his parents' attic. Yeah. Great tangent. Yeah, this is terrible, Travis. So, come no, on, come crazy, dude. religion. They were the only way this dipshit could fight against the insect alien overlords. Oh, shit. Um, All right, so now we're more men in black. Okay, Tom, great. No, we're not. Keep talking. Not uh, totally on subject. Just give me a yes or no. How's that? If it sounds like a men in black thing. <laughs> yes. So, his <laughs> cut-ups are not literature to him. They're experiments. And what are the results of this experiment? He came to the conclusion that women are not really human, but rather alien agents sent from outer space to control men. Yes. Awesome. Sounds true. He suggested to his friends that all women should be exterminated. Eh. Yes. It, it's like a gay hate club. Yeah, very gay. Very, very, very men in black. Um, <laughs> now, Ginsburg was back in the picture at this point as friends, and he kind of just hung out and was just like, Dude, I, I fuck boys, and this is, like, way too crazy for me. Wow. Like, <laughs> what is happening right wow. now? Wow. So he's really out there. So he's Will Smith in this moment. Yeah. Like, he, he hasn't discovered the cricket yet. <laughs> well, they, they each have a fuck. cricket. <laughs> they, uh, cricket crits come with the territory. <laughs> He's got this. He's got this um, cultural status, but he's also losing his fucking mind. Uh, Playboy asked him to write about St. Louis for them, so he used this opportunity to leech off of them for an airfare back to the states and moved to New nice. York for a bit. Stayed at the Chelsea Hotel and then booked his train to St. Louis. So instead of writing a piece about St. Louis, 
Burroughs sent in a piece that he did cut-up style. Oh, no. To which Playboy rejected and paid him $300 to not contact them again. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was oh, really hated. God. Holy shit. This guy's hit or miss, man. He's... Ugh. I mean, that sounds... Uh, who... What did... Um, what's his name? Oh, my God. I can't even remember. John Depp. John Depp's alter ego. Who? Or Jack Sparrow? John Depp's alter ego that isn't wearing mascara. Uh, Edward Scissorman? No, that doesn't have fingers that hurt people. Which one are you talking huh. about? We could try this game. I'm talking about the one where that he has a cigarette, but it's long though. Oh, Hunter S. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hunter oh, S. Fear and Loathing. Long. Yeah. So yeah. Jack Sparrow, like, all right. So with Jack Sparrow in the 70s, like, but also. Didn't Playboy send him out on shit? Rolling Stone. Yeah, because Hunter S. Thompson was at least a consistent writer. I know, but I'm just saying, what's with these people just hiring maniacs? Now you had to have like now you have like, had to have like a degree in journalism to even have your fucking shit looked at, which is terrible because you Well, have that's not true writing. at all. Now, as long as you're writing something that goes along with the newspaper's narrative, like if I sent a, a paper in by um I just make up a name for myself and send a paper to the Guardian about my feelings on like Trump or the Me Too movement that mm. is, is along with their narrative, it's gonna get published. No, but you also have to have like a like a BA and something. That's not true at all. I was just listening to a fucking uh, of course, Joe Rogan podcast with that guy who runs the Titanium Ooh. McGrath Twitter and he was talking about how he sent in this ridiculous, like extremely woke article to uh, the independent. Just to get published? Yeah, and, the, and it's obviously a joke, and they didn't edit a single word in it, and they just published it, and he made up a name, sent it up there. Yeah, and then Joe Work. Rogan's like, guess what, ayahuasca, bro? Well, back then, newspapers had a lot more money to go around. That's so true. they'd be able to throw hmm. money at a bunch of people and be like, hey, go do a thing, but now it's like we're they're barely paying people, and they just want people to write material just so they Garbage. can put ads on it. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a different world and I, and back then people just got away with shit, you know? Yeah. You can't get away with anything. You can't do a single fun thing without putting a credit card down. Yeah, I think that's really the moral of the story with these guys, right? You can't They had not... freedom that, and and because these guys were so extreme with it, they got taken away from the rest of us. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're they're okay. Yeah, like They'd not be YouTubers say I, now. Not to say I want to yeah. do this because this could be misconstrued as something terrible. But Put at the top of the episode. No! <laughs> These people are fucking children, and they're able to do whatever they want. They're able to get money. They're able to do whatever they want. I mean, I guess it kind of relates to today with, like, Epstein boys. Uh -huh. Well, they have... Uh, look, I don't think different. I think this is a big can of worms that we shouldn't exactly open right now. No. We're just painting a picture of this one guy. <laughs> I think you're right to a, to a degree, but it's like... You just can't get away with shit now unless you have money. Yeah, I agree. Okay, of keep course. going. Tell me about this idiot head. All right, I'm fine. So by 1964, New York was ready for stinky old burrows. The beat nerds had taken over Greenwich Village, and there was a, always a place to go read terrible poetry with a bunch of knuckleheads eager to listen to it, thinking it was a path to enlightenment. Ew. The local poets were big fans of burrows, and he found himself a real celebrity for the first time. Oh, wow. And just as fast as he moves to New York, he moves away because he doesn't like celebrity. <laughs> but as much as he doesn't like being a celebrity, he does like yeah. celebrities. So he ends up doing some stupid sound recording experiments with none other than Ringo Starr and Paul McCartney. What? Really? Oh, shit. 
So he's like, I, I, so he's like, I hate being a celebrity, but I like celebrities. I'm not gay, but I do fuck boys. Yes, that's exactly okay. it, Cody. That's pretty much how this episode's going. Oh, hey, what's up, Ringus? Can I like touch your drum? Yeah, no. I mean, he <laughs> makes friends. This guy, everyone knows what Naked Launch is. So, I want to say everyone. I mean, everyone who's hip. Yeah, got it. It's a cool thing. So to that's read. like right. It's the trendy thing at the time. Mm -hmm. Read Naked Lunch. Yeah, so of course, like Paul McCartney is gonna be like, "Oh, I read your book. Uh, I don't do anything with my time. Let's hang out." It's like a song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they just made some dumb experiments, and actually, um, I think Ringo Starr paid to build a studio in his basement so they could do these weird stereo recordings, and then they just never really used it for anything. And they, oh, I hate that. And then they did demos of Eleanor Rigby there, so that's kind of funny, I guess. Right, but also, all right, to put this in perspective, too, right, like, Ringo is probably, what, like, 25, and William S. Burroughs is, like, 55, something around He's there. He's in his 40s, right? Uh, late 40s yeah. now. Late 40s? Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, it is weird. Yeah, all right. but Because uh, he's, like, a guru of, like, touching boys' penises. Yeah, everyone knew that, and then, but he was, he was also... <sighs> Wow, this everyone just looked past the boy part. They're like, oh, this guy's kind of cool. Yeah, that's what was happening. The they're fuck? like, they're, they're, they look yeah. past the boy shit. They're going, yeah, he's pretty cool. You know, he's he's, he's, he's good with words. He makes jokes. He's stoic. It's not to like. Yeah. And if if you were openly straight, he was fine to be around. He wasn't like creepy to oh. his peers. Right. He was like mm. in the closet kind of shit. Like. No, he was openly gay. No, like, but it was well, like openly he, queer. Hush, hush, kind of like, well, oh, we talked about it. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, like, so no one felt uncomfortable. That's the only thing I'm trying to tell tell okay. you about that. No, okay. like, right. No but it's like if like, they saw him in an elementary, he'd be sweating and then be like, <laughs> oh, but these guys were never in an elementary school. Yeah. So, like, he's cool. Mm hmm. That's very true. So he's hanging out with yeah, celebrities. That litmus test like of that. taking to yeah. an elementary school. <laughs> you have to take all your new friends to an elementary school. Yeah, and they and start just sweating. To see if they're a look at them. Yeah. Then they're not cool. So Burroughs was actually making a lot of money at this point too. Just this is over the hump of uh, just living off like daddy money because he was able Got to do it. things. He was able to ask his parents for money, but now he had his own money coming in. Outside of the allowance. Mm. And he still had the allowance. Um, he was making about uh, $43,000 a year in 1964, which is... Too much. That's a lot of money. That's yeah. a shit ton of money. Um, that's like if you lived in Brooklyn. That much money. It's it's more. It's way more than that. It's a lot of money. It's, if you lived in Manhattan in your 20s. Right. So here's a turn I bet you guys didn't see coming. So, you know I said, like... He believes that the Earth is being controlled by alien scum, and he was trying to figure out how to break their psychic hold of him. Does that, like, remind you of any religion? Men in well, black. Well, Travis has been saying men in black for the entire fucking episode. <laughs> okay, well, Cody, Scientology. Maybe, maybe... Scientology. Scientology, yes, bingo. So, Scientology. During the 1960s, William S. Burroughs was a hardcore Scientologist and dove into wow. the practice with very little hesitation. Did he meet... Great. Did he meet uh, Hubby Hubby? He, I think he met him a couple times, but they corresponded a bunch. That was the thing I missed to see in L.A. is Scientology building. I wanted to see that shit. You should have gone to Sunset, man. They just, they're out there. They're like, hey, man, you look cool. You want to come over here and fucking <laughs> sign this billion-year contract? I'm really sign glad you didn't because I feel like you'd be like, hell yeah, I'd love to see no, that. No, I know it's a whole bunch of crazy yeah, people. Yeah, Mike I would just come like back to see that shit. You, know, like, I, like, you wouldn't have escaped. They would have yeah. lured you in with some gas station CBD. Oh, hey, that's, yeah. that's something I can't resist. Gas station CBD and like 
Dude, you get a free deck every month. What? Yeah, just uh, join our sea org. Gotta drink the Kool-Aid? Yeah, yeah that's... You're going to get it, Mike. You're if You of anyone. <laughs> so he thought the cut-up technique and the teaching of Scientology, using those two, two things, he was able to jam up the mind control that society was conditioned to be a part of uh, for the reality studio, as he called it. Whoa, Ooh. trippy. Uh, for a nice chunk of the 1960s, Burroughs considered L. Ron Hubbard a hero of the human race. Fuck. Just like Hitler. <laughs> yeah, just like Hitler. <laughs> Burroughs, like I said, he's not curious about the church. He's way into it. He's purchasing all the literature. That's a lot of literature. That's a lot of money, too. Yeah, he bought his own e-meter. No. Yeah, dude, he's sending e-cards? Yeah, he's sending, he's an e-thought. Uh, e-thought. He's he's showing off his old uh, e four and a half inch penis. <laughs> yeah, and his e-pink star of David. <laughs> Oh, no. That's that's weird. Something wrong with that anus. (laughs) So what a lot of people don't know about who are fans of Burroughs is that this played a major role in Burroughs' work, which is entirely counter to the narrative that so many of his admirers try to paint him as. There are millions of people influenced by the beat generation, Mm -hmm. the punk scene, the indie film community. They all look at his work as an expression of anti-authoritarian higher consciousness but in reality his work is an expression of anti-authoritarian paranoia about space aliens and mind control drugs will do that it's like (laughs) to me it just like it goes to show you like changing the world with art and shit like that doesn't exist it's however you want to read it yeah well i mean like 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 okay like you said that you were into burroughs on the last episode tommy you said you were into burroughs in high school i was in the kerouac in high school yeah. Like, these are, like, influential authors in the 20th century that, like, maybe a, you know, a teacher might, like, on the sly give it to you. It might even be part of the curriculum. I don't even know anymore. But, like, they're all stupid. Yeah, <laughs> they're all like his dumb. Old, and this dude's school. a Scientologist. Like, why? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and not a lot of people talk about the Scientologist part of him. They like kind of bury that right. because it's not how we want to imagine the William S. Burroughs. We like we know that he liked sex with young boys, and people yeah. go, mm-hmm. "Well, you know, that's like his fault." But it's like for some reason, it's harder to accept that he's a Scientologist than a than a pedophile, which is really or weird junkie. to me. To be honest, <laughs> a pedophile is a tangible urge. There's a boy. There's a man. It's disgusting. A Scientologist is like, there's an alien, and it came down to Earth, and guess what? All black people are bad. <laughs> and then That's Thanos, Thanos <laughs> it's fucking fucked me in the dick. Like, that shit doesn't make sense. Right. What I'm saying is that both of those things are terrible. So why is having sex with younger boys easier to stomach than Scientology to the historians of William S. Burroughs? Interesting. That's his thing, though. Okay, I guess. That's all I'm saying. I, I Like, whatever. There's no answer to this shit. It's all ridiculous. This is all... Yeah. This is insane. Everything I'm talking about, insane. Mm. Ugh. Break, boy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do a break. And I'm going to leave this... I'm leaving this break uh, in the Spicy. podcast. It's staying Good. in the podcast. I'm just going to pee Spicy all over takes. my microphone right now. <laughs> uh, fuck.
By the late 60s, Burroughs had driven away most of his friends by talking about Scientology nonstop and trying to run his e-meter on them. He was claiming to study it, as he did with the other religions, but he had a very strong attachment to it. He was just hooked. He was in. He was. He had gone clear. Uh, gone smooth. He had gone the way of Christy <laughs> Alley. But the more time he spent corresponding with Hubbard, the more he realized that he was just a fat sack of shit. He leaves the church and publishes an essay in the Los Angeles Free Press titled, I, William Burroughs, Challenge You, L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, why? Calling on Hubbard to release what he referred to as confidential materials. Hubbard replied in the most wishy-washy political way he could about how Burroughs was a great thinker and he was allowed to have his own opinion. But there's not much to say in the way of a reply as he didn't have anything in the way of confidential materials. Oh, it fizzled out and the Beat Generation and the admirers of Burroughs did their best to never speak of it, as I mentioned. So, so he hmm. tried to King of Queens that bitch. <laughs> yeah, he tried to Kevin James, Leanne Marini, or whatever the fuck yeah, is. Leanne Marini was like, hell yeah, I hate that. Yeah, and Kevin James is just like, I'm going to be a, uh, a mall cop. <laughs> Guess what, Paul Blart, he's back. Paul Blart. He's back for oh, another one. a new one? Paul Blart and Shrek. Guess what? Get out of my swamp. And then guess what? The swamp needs protection. Oh, my segue shit. is made out of onions. <laughs> Do you say onions? Is it going to be an IMAX? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be an IMAX. It's going to be 2D, 3D, 4D, 3D, 8D. Oh, I got to check it. Yeah. yeah. In 1974, William moved back to New York when the crime was at its highest and the city was almost bankrupt. Perfect. He moved back for a teaching gig. He was offered at City College. He was a terrible teacher, and most of his students didn't know who he was, as he was a lead underground figure with very little sway in the mainstream. Just because he was friends with the Beatles doesn't mean the Beatles fans knew who he was. Hey, hey, where the monkeys? Always got a monkey around. Beatles. So he passed all the students for uh, their terrible writing because he didn't want to teach anymore. So that would have been a great class to take. Yeah, right? It's an easy class. Yeah. Yeah. It's like gym, uh, which I had, I hey. did fail. Fail yeah, gym? It's like, yeah, I just didn't go. You didn't put the sweatpants over your jeans? No, I didn't go. <laughs> hey, I don't blame you. That shit sucked. Dude, that's, I'm yeah, cool. I was a cool kid, man. Hey. I used to go to Bas- the art room. Oh. Fucking express myself. I did that too, yeah. Yeah. Basically, the only way to pass Burroughs class is like, hey, you 18? No. All right, that's close <laughs> enough. Yeah. Show me your butthole. Yeah. Too old. <laughs> Too old. Get out of here. You pass. <laughs> Uh, So after teaching, most of his income came from readings, uh, which was in high demand downtown. Unlike his previous time in New York, he enjoyed the place now and decided to move in there for a bit longer of a stint. I'm skipping ahead a bit because Burroughs is basically just a bum uh, who likes getting Mm. his ass sucked. The Nova Convention. That's redundant. Burroughs had become such an icon to the artist and uh, all the artistic minds and... uh, nut jobs in New York City that a bunch of notable artists like Frank Zappa, Debbie Harry, Philip Glass, Patti Smith all did readings and musical pieces for Burroughs at the Intermedia Theater from November 30th to December 2nd, 1978. Wow. What's the Intermedia Theater? It's a theater that's closed down. It had like a 2,000 capacity. The men <laughs> black headquarters, Travis. Yeah, all right. You go Is there now. Is that where ants have sex? And Rip Torn comes out and goes, Can you dodge a wrench? You can dodge an alien. (laughs) (laughs) 
Dude, uh, I can't dodge a wrench or an alien. That's the funniest <laughs> part. <laughs> You're screwed. Uh, yeah. You gotta slow down with your mind. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure from reading about the Nova Convention that this was an event. Uh, it was thrown as an opportunity to publicly thank Burroughs for his groundbreaking work before he died. You see, Burroughs always looked like he was going to die. Uh, he had done so many <laughs> drugs and lived in such excess that his friends and worshippers thought he'd drop dead any minute now. It turns out wow. that he lived on for much longer after this living memorial. Oh. Oh. In sheesh. fact, he lived through uh, something he probably shouldn't have, which is the AIDS epidemic. Mm, so mm, mm, mm. during the next decade is when the AIDS epidemic swept through America. Being a, a, a gay heroin addict that was sticking needles <laughs> yeah. in your arm. Is this and in your butt. And your butt. It's a surefire way to contract the disease. Yeah, it's a twofer, dude. Yeah. It's BOGO. Buy one, get one free with AIDS. <laughs> if that's what you're trying to buy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you have one aid, and then you BOGO, and then you have AIDS. Yes. Yeah. But even amongst uh, the boundary-breaking rebels, there is a pecking order. You see, Burroughs always got the clean needle. Oh. So uh. what would happen is uh, one of his weird junkie camps, at one of his junkie camps, either it was one of his apartments or in the back of one of these studios or a bunker that I'm going to talk about later, hmm. someone would always bring heroin for him. And someone would heat it up, prepare it, get him a fresh needle right in. And then the next person would take it. And the, the needle would get passed around. Ugh. And someone would get AIDS almost every time. But he was cool because he was number one, fresh needle. So it's not a packing order, it's a pricking order. Very good, Cody. Yes. Uh, exactly. I did it. Yeah, do, you know that, do you know that prick is also called a penis? <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Guess what? That's You are you're right, Travis. I'm tying it in there, Mike. I know. Uh, well, one of those double entendres I see. Either way, when all of his weirdo friends start dying around him. He attributes it all to these curses and ugly spirits. He's still on that oh. tip. He's like, well, that person died because they got ugly uh, hate spirit following them around. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Obviously, they got AIDS because of that. Their chakra wasn't aligned. All that shit. Well put, Mike. Uh, yeah, so like Andy Warhol, Burroughs had a bunker in Bowery, Manhattan. Wait, hold on. Before we move on to the bunker, Tom, okay. did he have any sexually transmitted disease? Sounds like this guy's getting his butthole plugged a lot. Well, and you know what? There's like things going, spreading around, going in, coming out. Okay, if you so, fuck a lot, you know, you might just get a little clap or something. All right, here's the deal with Burroughs. When he was seeing someone, like dating, I guess, uh -huh. he was not promiscuous at all. Oh, okay, he's so, monogamous. He's a mon monogamous yeah. man. Uh, and he would date people for years at a time. That Jack Anderson guy, uh, this Ian Summerfield guy, he was dated for he was dating for a while. Even Ginsburg for a bit. Um, so the boy thing was more when he was in his forties and he was a little younger. But mm -hmm. at this time, he's I think he was only with like two partners past the age of like fifty. Okay, oh, wow. and boys aren't going to have all those diseases because obviously you're taking advantage and ruining those boys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> They're not, uh, it's yeah, clean. Well, we're it's laughing clean. here, but it is a one-way street. Yeah. Ah, it's terrible. Yeah. All right, so back to the bunker. Like Andy Warhol, Burroughs had a bunker in the Bowery area of Manhattan, 
There, rock and roll icons would come and do drugs and befriend the old man. People considered him the godfather of punk rock as he embodied the spirit of independent thinking behind the genre. He befriended Lou Reed, Iggy Pop, and later on people like Kurt Cobain and Al Jorgensen from Ministry. Hmm. Wow. His influence was so, so deep. In fact, the band Steely Dan, the name of that band was taken from Naked Lunch, and it was the name of a steam-powered dildo. Uh, uh. So now all of a sudden I like Steely Dan more. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. All of a sudden I'm thinking like, hey, should I just call my dick Dan? <laughs> I think <laughs> oh, you, you don't? I think you should oh, do that. Here it is. I call my dick I call my dick Ackroyd. <laughs> so punk rock was based off of a trust fund kid. Yeah. Yeah. I also call my dick uh, John Hurt. It's gonna And guess you. what? Oh, There's oh, a oh, giant the spider monster. So this is kind of like What's happening with Burroughs as the punk rock and rock and roll icon is that it's full circle. These weenies worshipped the ground he walked on, just like his mother did. The references in music and art to Burroughs are absolutely countless. He even got his own record deal with Island to release his own readings as musical pieces. Now, I would like to play one. All right, so what I'm playing right now is William S. Burroughs' A Thanksgiving Prayer. For John Dillinger, in hope he is still alive. Thanksgiving Day, November 28th, 1986. Thanks for the wild turkey and passenger pigeons destined to be shit out through wholesome American guts. <laughs> Thanks for a covenant <laughs> to despoil and poison. Thanks for Indians to provide a modicum of challenge and danger. Thanks for vast herds of bison to kill and skin, leaving the carcasses to rot. Thanks for bounties on wolves and coyotes. Thanks for the American dream to vulgarize and falsify until the bare lies shine through. Thanks for the KKK, for nigger-killing lawmen feeding their notches. For decent church-going women with their mean, pinched, bitter, evil faces. <laughs> Thanks for Kill a Queer for Christ stickers. Thanks for laboratory aid. Thanks for prohibition and the war against drugs. Thanks for a country where nobody is allowed to mind his own business. Thanks for a nation of finks. Yes, thanks for all the memories. All right, let's see your arms. You always were a headache and you always were a bore. Thanks for the last and greatest betrayal of the last and greatest of human dreams. What, do you believe in the moon landing or some shit by that? 
That's what you <laughs> that yeah. Really, what Mike? What did you fucking say? Well, we have the video over here, and it's showing. Oh, you guys showing... have the video either? Uh, no, they don't have the video. Uh, They're just listening to it. They're listening to the words, Mike. Did you listen to the words? Yeah, I was, I was looking at the visuals, too. Thought-provoking, nah, right? You were just thinking about. You were just thinking about doing a shove it. It's okay. No. <laughs> he said that it was like the biggest, uh, what, Deceival of the human race was with the, the spaceship deceival. and shit like that in the yeah, background. Yeah, but that, just because the image was corresponding doesn't that's mean that's what he's talking about. <laughs> no, I mean that was I, I honestly that was fucking that was great. I love that. But guess what? Guy fuck boys. Yeah, yeah. He's fucking boys too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. why he's the hardest one for me to grapple. Like in in my own head, like he wrote a lot of bullshit. Um, I get why people were into him, especially if they didn't know the nature, the the terrible nature of his habits. Right. I mean, but there's also other people saying these things. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, so he's like popularized, right? Yeah. Like everyone knows who William S. Burroughs is. He wrote books or whatever. He's the first one to do. But there's like silent fucking like historians and people like Howard Zinn wrote The People's History of America. Great book if you want to read it. It tells you about all this shit and like. I feel like uh, maybe he read some of those books, you know, about people He was people well read. Are, I mean, he just read. In well, yeah. Time. But I mean, people that are dissenting on what we, we call the American dream and then just mm. popularized it. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, Island published that and now Burroughs was technically a musician because he read. But it's funny that he is the godfather to punk because I think Burroughs himself thought punk was pretty fucking stupid. Like, huh. he wasn't really into it. Like, he'd go to the shows with, with the bigger artists who were friends with him, Patti Smith, Debbie Harry kind of shit, and be like, okay, I'm here now. Can I have some drugs? <laughs> That's all he cared about. Yeah. Well, let's move along here. I'm going to wrap this episode up because this has just been haunting me. <laughs> uh, later in life, Burroughs bought a, bought a home in Lawrence, <laughs> Kansas. <laughs> Hell, why'd you fuck that up? I don't know. It says house, but for some reason I couldn't say house. <laughs> How? I went. I went straight. I was watching too much house recently. House. I was watching. Uh, yeah, home MD. Uh, <laughs> How Lori? He lived there for 15 years. That's the longest he ever stayed anywhere in his life. He continued to work there. He published essays and various cut-ups. He also invented a new form of art called shotgun art, which uh was a more fun way of Jackson Pollocking, where he'd shoot uh, spray paint cans or ink bottles that were suspended or propped in front of plywood. That's uh, sick. With shotguns and then call it art and sell it for lots of money. So he invented YouTube. Basically. Sounds right. I think you're right, Travis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He did that for the rest of his life and hung out and entertained guests and shotguns. Wow. He, is this he like had the all 90s? kinds of cool guns. This is the nineties, yeah. Um does anyone want to ask me how do we can stop doing this? Do you have a now? Game Boy? He probably did not have a Game Boy. To lure little boys in? No, he was a, he was past fucking oh, okay, Honestly, okay. W- once he got to fifties, he grew up. Okay. He was like, I'm not oh, fucking boys good. anymore. I'm yeah, only he, fuck. he only fucked twenty year old men. I forget the guy's name, Marcus something. He was his boyfriend for the last like fifteen years of his life. And they met when uh Burroughs was sixty five or something. And he Ugh. was 18. Yeah, so he grew oh. up a little bit. It's not boys anymore. It's still, like, you know what I mean? Like, every generation, every every decade yeah. that he's yes. alive, maybe he advanced one year. <laughs> yeah, so you can say his sexual <laughs> tastes went from boys to men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. That was good. Damn, dude. I am so yeah, hungry and tired yeah, right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, one more thing, like he is—he is revered 
uh, by liberal artist folks. And I, a lot of them who met him were very turned off because he was a like Second Amendment gun nut. No, yeah. And that's like something that doesn't really mix, even though I think it should. I mean, why not? Guns yeah. are cool. They're fun. They're, arms, They're cool. Right? Everyone should have guns. Everyone. I don't know if everyone should have guns. Everyone should have we guns. Should, we should be Some able to shoot them. Guns. It's fun. Uh-huh. Yeah, either way. Mentally unstable, maybe. It shouldn't have. We were just talking about not giving children guns like 40 minutes and ago. And I was advocating for guns. So here I am. <laughs> uh, you know where I stand. With your gun. With my gun. All right. Someone asked me how he's fucking dying. Mike, do it. How does Burroughs die, Tom? Burroughs died August 2nd, 1997, after a heart attack in his house in Lawrence, Kansas. He was buried in the family plot in Bellefontaine Cemetery in St. Louis, Missouri. His headstone reads, American Writer. Ain't that something. Yeah. He was 83 years old. Live a long fucking how life as a junkie. Fa- yeah, yeah, how the and fuck a, did he lo- uh, yeah. die, live that long? I don't Money. know. <laughs> he, he almost died several times. I can imagine. Yeah. His trust fund money kept him alive, probably, right? Yeah, that's all you need. If you want a healthy life, yeah, but get money. A, I mean, you, I you think I have two under my belt. Sorry, Mike, what are you saying? No, he's probably just a functioning heroin addict because he always had it all the time. No, he wasn't functioning. He just didn't need to work. That's true. Yeah. I think I died at this point. I'm 31 years old. I think I've died almost twice. From uh, what? Drugs? No, not from drugs. One was from drinking too much, and the other one was from drinking too much and having fun. So drugs. And then, and then uh, fucking kicking a stump. Oh, that was hilarious. Really? And that's still on my leg, by the yeah. way. Yeah, Travis has another leg coming out of his leg because he fell over a stump while he was drinking. <laughs> really? Is this a bachelor you? party? Yeah, and then yes. he rubbed whiskey all over it, and it didn't do anything, just made it bleed more. Yeah, it's <laughs> whiskey. You cleaned it. Yeah, it was whiskey. Uh, all right. <laughs> My God, Travis. I'm glad you're okay, though. So that's William S. Burroughs. Any final thoughts? Um, he's like, uh, folks, boys. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Tom, I'm glad this was two episodes because I feel like there's a very good separation. He was a weirdo yeah, little a of- boy, and then he grew up into a man, and he was even more weird. Yeah, a different type of good. weird. Cody? Things happened. Feel bad for his childhood, but... He was a uh, gnarly chicken nugget that uh, society has passed. We're we're over this nugget. You no know, one was reading these books at the time. Like, yo, this dude's fucking kids. Everyone thought it was fake. Oh yeah, yeah. did fake. News. Yeah, in- inspired by fictional events. Yeah, dude, that all was right. like all right. Well, like Rose totally never let go in the real story. Jack is still alive. Still writing about it. It's still like pretty fucked. <laughs> because she Mike, were you said, alive when the Titanic came out? That movie? Yeah, baby boy, right? <laughs> yeah, I was like three years old or some shit. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying that like Rose was like, "Hey, I'm never gonna let you go," and then like, Actually, literally, literally, like, like half a minute later, she lets go. Because the thing goes down. Right. He should have let go. No, the thing doesn't the go down. She's on a raft. Oh, she could have just well, hold on to his hand. He couldn't. He couldn't, uh, he couldn't fit on that fucking door. Where the fuck it was. Uh, that's bullshit. Uh, she was just being a dumb cunt and just was like, hey, uh, guess selfish. what? It's just all me. Well, there you go. All right. So we're done with this shit now. That's William Perfect. S. Burroughs. I don't want to talk about him anymore. But one thing I do want to talk about real quick is we have a voicemail. Yes. Oh, wow. We have recently opened up the voicemail line. You can give us a call at 631-837-34. No, that's my number. Oh, shit. <laughs> you can give us a call at 631 631- 
8373274. That's the heavy hole line. Uh, which is my other <laughs> podcast, way better than this podcast. All right, Tom, you're and so cool. You're in the metal. Guess what? Tom paints his face and like, Tom hey, likes heavy up? metal. Yeah, guys, I just want everyone to know that. I want everyone to know that. All right, so we're going to play a voicemail. Hey, uh, Rose Mortem Cast. Uh, as a fellow historian, I got I got a question I want to want to pull from each one of you. Uh, what, in your opinion, is uh? Is the ethics of a cock and ball torture? I know it's a very, very heavy question. If you ask my, if you ask the impartial, completely unbiased opinion of the asker, it is not only ethical but necessary. And I just really want to know your each of your opinions on the matter. Thank you. Excellent question, Kyle. Like that one. Yeah, good raspberry at the end. A, is it? Is it really cock and ball torture if there's consent? Is it torture if there's consent? Look, we're a historic podcast. I think that's a valid question. We need to talk about the history of cock and ball torture. Yeah. Surely. Absolutely. So, sounds painful. Yeah. My nuts hurt thinking about so that. It, if you knew something that I was trying to know, and I was like, hey, Mike, tell me that thing. It's like about what, cock and ball torture? No, just a thing, a secret. And you said, no, Tom, I don't want to tell you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> and I said, mm-hmm. well, give me those cock and balls. <laughs> Yeah, that's Man, torture. Like, Wouldn't you rather just tell it? me the thing? If it was, it depends on the thing. If it was really bad, yeah. Really, you've got secrets that are worth risking cock and ball torture over, Mike. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> you, you got some juice rattling your brain that is no, worth cock and ball torture. Yeah, I think it's an effective my nuts. Uh, form of torture for sure. Cock and ball I torture mean, is important. Yeah, even if there's consent, I'm just saying, like, your balls is sensitive. And guess what? Oh, yeah, if, you're right. If you were 007 James Bond and you were like, your tell me tell me the questions. And someone tell was, me the question. Tell me the question. <laughs> and someone's like, oh, no, you won't do it. And you hit someone in the balls and then you laugh. <sighs> That's cock and balls. Cock and balls. Not yeah. wrong. So if 007 can do it, then it's a real thing, dude. History provides. History subjects this voicemail coming in i'm like i'm 90 percent sure it's riley oh yeah it's him uh-huh. yeah, yeah it's gotta be it's him. Riley. sounds like him yeah is there a question in that voicemail yeah it was just or what are like... our thoughts on cock and ball torture i said i'm cool with it because you need to get information yeah, yeah it sounds like yeah, i wouldn't want to go through it historically yeah i need information what if i'm fighting a historic war let's say for example world war one or uh world war two if I was in one of those things and I had a guy who had information, I'd, like I just explained, cock and ball torture. Do it. Yeah, I'd be like James Bond, you know? and that's what Get my answer was: James Bond. Yeah. James Bond. It. I don't want any torture in general. <laughs> All right, Mike. And genital superstitious. Stop knocking. I hope you, I hope you never vote. <laughs> All right. I'm leaving. Mike's gonna vote nine times. We're done here. All right, Patreon.com/slash/RoastMortemCast. That's it. Oh yeah, do Please. that. Dude. And then yeah, uh, yeah, we have Instagram stuff like that. It's all on there. Guess uh, what? If you've been listening on, if you listen to our show on like um, on no iTunes, we're also on Spotify. We're also on wherever you like. You do Stitchy, you stitch that shit. You can go on Stitcher. It doesn't matter. We're everywhere. You guys can rate us too. We haven't asked for a rating for a while. You can give us a zero. We just want the numbers. So yeah. give us a zero star. Give us uh, out of how many, out of sixty nine stars, how many would you give us? Sixty nine. Demand sixty nine. Yeah, I yeah, I'll take that oh, back. Yeah. I demand sixty nine stars. 69 I demand sixty nine stars. Yes. So we now demand sixty nine stars because you made it this far in the podcast. Thank you for being here. We love you. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
end of the episode. But you made it to the end of the episode. What are you doing? Oh, you're singing. Yeah. All right, this is it now, everyone. Yeah, yeah you mouth. did it. You got to the end of the episode. Oh. And guess what? We are going to do some obituaries. <laughs> oh. Hey. Yeah, do ah. it. Do it, bitches. The, these are for the Patreonists that, uh, you know, like to support our, our violent addictions. Yes. Audio podcasting. Yeah, it's it's fierce. Yeah, the reason we'll be uh, killing ourselves in the future, uh, our <laughs> mental illness and our Don't worry inability to Give just it. do something seriously. <laughs> yeah, that's Let's pretty much it. it. All right. uh, Cody, you want to go I first? I go first? I go first. All right. The first lovely we're killing off today uh, is one Angus Pinkerton. Thank you for supporting the Patreon. Thank you for sharing your ducats with us. And thank you for just listening in general. So we got Angus Pinkerton. He's fucking cruising on his fucking road trip. No fucking reason. Just on a road trip, enjoying everything. The scenery, the the, the wind in his hair, the uh, beef jerky and gas station caffeine. Caffeine? Caffeine. Gas station <laughs> caffeine in the form of coffee. He's going through some bovine farmland, enjoying all the previously mentioned sensations. Suddenly, he notices he's plumb out of grass-fed, thick-cut, mildly peppered beef jerky. And this is unacceptable. And after uh, four hours of cursing God and crying, he gets the genius idea of just running down one of the uh, one of the cows in the bovine fields he's crossing. Just bite into it. You know what I mean? Makes sense. Yeah. You, you, you are what you eat, and he's Angus. So he's like, let's have a quick fucking nosh. You know what I mean? I will never argue with the logic of someone who's trying to give us money. Never. No, and also livestock genuinely makes me fu- me hungry. Some people are like... Me hungry. Oh, it's so cute. It's so cute. I'm like, that cow's a tasty food. Fucking stir fry, You're baby. a sick man. Yeah, I think that's called rabies. Anyway, Cody, continue. No, bovine spongiform encephalitis really ties the umami together. Uh, so Angus takes off his fucking shirt because he doesn't want cow blood on it, and he starts chasing around the fucking cattle. Trickier than it looks, actually. So after about 45 minutes of just, like, making himself tired... A shadow is cast over him. A huge shadow. And he turns around, and he's stopped by a figure wearing a badge and a uniform. But lo and behold, he's not a local police officer. He's some kind of rogue private security officer. It's a Pinkerton. And he's a Minotaur, too. So it's a literal Angus Pinkerton. Wow. Oh, shit. Wow, I see what so you've you done there. You <laughs> yeah, played with the words. I, yes. And the Minotaur is like, hey, isn't this ironic? And Angus is like, no, idiot, it's serendipitous. And then the Minotaur gores Angus into a fleshy pulp. And then Pepper sprays the corpse. Rest in peace, Angus, gored to to death by a mercenary Minotaur. I assumed your gender because I couldn't figure it out over social media. That's why you never (laughs) question a Minotaur. Don't correct that bitch. Just do it. It's a man, but it's a horse. We don't. Bull. Yeah, Travis. it's a bull, Travis. The centaur, centaur is the half man. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a centaur. Whatever. That's all the same thing. All great yeah. to me. There you go. So we don't know if um, it was Angus chasing cows or mouthing off to uh, an officer that killed him, but either way, he's dead. Thank you for your money. Next up on the old obituary list is Rob Alvarado. Hey. Now, huge shout out to Rob because he is a what I am going to call a supreme Patreon. Because oh, on top of giving fuck. money to Roast Mortem Cast, he also gives money to the other great podcast that I do, which is Heavy Hole. <gasps> oh, um, look at that. 
That hole is so heavy, it's droopy at this point. <laughs> it's, it's a droopy oh. hole, yes. And, yeah, there you go. Uh, 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 yeah, so shout out to him for that. And uh, I, I've met Rob before at a artificial brain show. Oh, cool. Sick. Um, good dude. Really enjoyed talking to him. I actually offered to let him come down here sometime while we're doing an episode. Oh, lovely. Uh, yeah. He's a busy guy. This is hard to Understood. do for him. He's got a, I think he has a kid, you know, he's, he's more busy than I, I can imagine myself. So I invite him down and uh, finally he, he figures out a time where he can come down and, and join us in the studio. So Sick. I text him an address and uh, I guess he writes it down wrong in his GPS because mm -hmm. he goes to the wrong address. Happens. Oh. Yeah. You got to trust Google. Yeah. So yeah. What, he, what he does is uh, he texts me when he's outside and I tell him to just... Come on in. Come down to the basement. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Mm. So he goes to uh, someone else's house. Oh, no. And goes down into the basement. And um, turns out that the stranger's house happens to be really creepy roast mortem fans. Oh. Okay. Oh. Uh, well. Yes. With uh, pictures of Mike all over the house. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, the, the smell of cat urine everywhere. Good smell. And candles and all kinds of disgusting sigils. Hmm. Um, so the guy invites him in he, into his basement. Rob goes, well, this isn't right. Uh, this isn't where I'm supposed to be at all. Uh-huh, yeah. How does he know? Maybe our studio is just like that. Hey, don't you have a bunch of pictures of me over there, Tom? Oh, I that, do. That corner yeah, just off see? camera right now. Yeah, they're right over there. They're not for the eyes. <laughs> uh, they're for my eyes, not your eyes. Anyway, so Rob goes down to this basement, and um, this creepy guy actually ends up talking to Rob, and he turns out to be a really nice guy who just really likes us for some reason, so he's sick. Um, mm -hmm. He's a very Understood. sick man. Uh, and he's not just regular, like, sick in his head. He actually has SARS. So in the oh. short amount of time that he's talking to this guy in his basement, he he gets SARS. And, uh, throwback disease. Yeah, yeah and fast. it's a very strange uh, SARS because Rob, Rob ends up leaving. He feels fine. And the next day, he's just like, oh, I got a bad case of him. <laughs> so he goes to the hospital because he's like, I don't even know what this is. Yeah. Um, the SARS has given him an acute peanut allergy that he has never had before. He does not know about this. <laughs> oh, wow. So uh, okay. we, so he's in the hospital and he's he's got SARS and he's on the up and up. He's he's feeling better. So we go and visit him. The four of us we oh, go and visit Rob. Uh -huh. was, I remember that. Is that and, his and, make a wish? It, yeah, it was yeah. his. It was a make a wish. Yes. There you go. Okay. Uh, so we showed up and <laughs> Big Will and Justin from Heavy Hole. We all show up and we give him honey roasted peanuts because everyone likes honey roasted peanuts when they're sick. So we give them to him. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, anaphylactic shock. We're all panicking. Nurse comes in. Nurse is like, we got to rush this guy over to the, to the room where we take care of peanut allergies. So he, she brings him <laughs> over to the room, uh, but she's yeah. new there. It's her first day. Puts him in the wrong room. She brings him to the snake pit, which is what they have in hospitals Why do now. they keep those rooms so close to each other? <laughs> They're right yeah. next to each other, the allergies. So it's, uh, you know, he just missed the allergy room. He was thrown to the snake pit. Uh, the nurse just left him there without even realizing. So he gets bit by a snake made of wood, and he falls out of a window... Which is Whoa. in the snake room. Which is why would you put a window in the snake room? So they can... can get out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's the, if there's one room not to have a window in, it's the snake room in the hospital. So Rob <laughs> falls out of the 15th floor window in the out of the snake room, cascading with uh, uh, parades of snakes choking on his peanuts, <laughs> and falls to his death in the parking lot, where he has to immediately pay for his parking space that he's taken over so rest in peace rob oh, yeah uh, thanks for listening to the both of the shows man that was his last like words was like oh fuck it was ah oh, fuck because like you know a 20 year old yeah. college dropout came over to him was like well you're gonna have to pay 20 dollars for this spot <laughs> he's going, oh, fuck. wow holy shit all rest right in rest in peace rob thank you
All right, Mike, who you got? So Rotondo111 is chilling in a McDonald's in good old hot New Mexico. Sick. Now he's sweating. He's relaxing. Uh-huh. And he's going to town on some chicken nuggets. Dunking Fuck them left yeah. and right. What kind of sauce? Barbecue and hot sauce. Okay. Mix right. them together. Good, good, you know, good. get a good, good combo, you know? Mm-hmm. Is this another Mike like, tip here? Life hack? Let him do well, it. Yeah, you can do that if you want. It tastes right. good. <laughs> if you have good taste, you would do it. Rotondo <laughs> does. He has good We taste. know he has exceptional taste because he's a patron, a patron of yeah. ours. Then all of a sudden, he starts to feel a little sick in the stomach. Oh, no. Oh, yeah? He mm. notices that it's not really chicken nuggets, but rat nuggets. Rat nuggets? Ooh. Oh. Disgusted by what he's found out, Rotondo charges into the back of the McDonald's and attacks the fry cook. Okay, yeah. Makes Was sense. Was it Grimace? Grimace? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Let me go Grimace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Wait, Grimace. Grimace is Sticks his head in the deep fryer. Everyone's freaked out in the restaurant. Yeah, Everyone's understandable. Like, Holy shit, let's call the cops. <laughs> cops show up. Not an ambulance, just the cops. <laughs> no ambulances. <laughs> just the cops. Just He's the cops. Already. Guns pulled. They were exchanging words. He's like, I've been wronged. I've been eating rat food. They don't believe him. When all of a sudden, a swarm of rats emerge from the deep fryer and kill everyone in sight, including Rotondo. Holy shit. Those are some resilient rats. He's yeah. having this conversation with the cops, but his head is a chicken fried. nugget. Yeah, just fried. <laughs> no, the fry cook. No, Grimace's head yeah, was Grimace's fried. Head is, oh, Grimace's is fried. head is a chicken nugget. Okay. All right. And that's why the cops are called, because everyone in the restaurant was like, yo, what the fuck? Right, I'm just Dude. sitting here eating my rat nuggets, and this yeah. guy's complaining about rat nuggets. Holy shit. Ah! Rest you shouldn't complain about rat nuggets. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Sorry, guys. I'm boring. <laughs> no, it's no, good, dude. That's no, good. Premium rush. Better. Dog. No. You're much yeah, better. Yeah, I learned to read now. So your story had death by police, horrible disfigurement, chicken nuggets, yeah. everything a great novel needs. Yeah, yes. all that shit's trending on Twitter. Yeah. There you go. All right, Travis. Okay. What are you doing? Uh, last guy on our list is Alec Gerard. Hey, what's his last name? Gerard. Alec Gerard. Gerard, I got it. You did. Al- Alex been uh, Alex been a fan for a while. He was. You want to hear him? You can go back to the the uh, William Lyon McKenzie episode. Oh yeah, he was one of our token Canadians. Yeah, I, I almost want to apologize to him now for how poorly that was set up on our end. Because oh, he was just like, you know. let's talk to a Canadian, see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> just put him on the spot. So, I wasn't uh, disappointed. He was, was fine. He was fine. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's cool. So, I'm just saying, our bad. Yeah, Should we didn't, a couple more we didn't fucking have up. him on the line waiting. We didn't brief him. We literally just called that fucker in the middle of a show. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think he might have died before, but he's going to die again now. Uh, he's risen. Yeah, so he's risen. Maybe he's zombie Alec. I don't know. But he leaves his comfortable, civilized world of Ontario, ah. Canada, and heads out into the wild woods of Alberta. This is like the, I've heard it called the Canadian Texas. It's out oh, there. Oh, that's cool. And Alec, he's in the forestry. He, you know, of he's course. a big forestry guy. He's in the woods. He's poking mushrooms. He's like petting bears and shit. He's just like general, like a general like Fern Gully boy. Uh, okay, yeah. Fern Gulliver. So he's a, yeah, so he, <laughs> he's out there and all of a sudden he gets a feeling like someone's watching. It's not the bears he's petting? No. Okay. So he quickly vampires the shit out of a nearby maple tree, as most Canadians would do. Yes. And then all of a sudden, the trees start rustling. 
the wind starts picking up. Oh, fuck. Oh, he's like, oh. And all of a sudden, he, st he starts he starts hearing, like, some singing in the wind. Ooh. Singing, right? It's kind of creepy, right? Like, this is yeah, a little bit. Weird witchcraft shit. So Alec, I don't know, he just books it. He starts running. He's running through the woods, running through the bramble, through the thicket. And eventually he finds a cave, and he thinks that that's going to be safe, like any horror movie. Yep, got it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he goes sense. into the cave. It's dark as shit. He lights up his Zippo just to make some light, right? Of course. That's what I do. Yeah. All of a sudden, right in front of him is a crazed Chad Kroger. <laughs> oh, no. Now, What's Chad. What's he doing there? Chad, is, he's a man of the woods. He's met. Uh, the nickeled back is from Alberta. <laughs> oh, the Canadian Europe. nickeled back. Yeah, yeah, the Canadian nickeled back. So Chad slowly raises his hand and leans in and whispers into Alec's ear. He says, They say that a hero can save us. Oh. And he lowers his hand, his bare hand, over the naked flame of Alec's zippo that goes out. Oh. Alec lets out a blood curdling scream. Yes. And that was the last that anyone had ever heard of Alec. Holy shit. A, f a few days later, searchers found his backpack in the nearby cave, and next to it was a photograph. And the man picked it up and he said, Hey, look at this photograph. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Every time I do, it makes me laugh. How did our eyes get so red? And what the hell is on Joey's head? This is where I grew up. There's a lot of things going on in this photograph. Right. I hate you. Uh, yeah, I think the <laughs> owner fixed it up. <laughs> oh. oh, man. That was All right. good. That was good. Et cetera, wow. et cetera. We might get sued for that one. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I can hit the tones and the pitches. You're right. You really <laughs> made me feel it in my loins there. Ew. All right. Well, that's it, then. That's Everyone's dead Thank now. Thank you. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. We appreciate everyone. We appreciate everyone. Yes, yeah, deeply, that's what profoundly. I meant to say. Mm -hmm. Totally appreciate. You want to get roasted like or dead about deadized, deadized? Yeah, good word. Then go to patreoncom slash <laughs> Jinx, please. Thank you. Bye. Is that a separate file? Are we cutting? <laughs>